Your favorite things feel made for you. Your education should too. University of Maryland Global Campus, formerly University of Maryland University College, was made to serve the military and working adults like you. Today, we continue that tradition by offering frequent start dates so you can get started with convenient online learning that fits your schedule, by recognizing your accomplishments with credits you can earn for what you know, by providing no-cost online resources replacing most textbooks because a college education can fit your budget too, and with no SAT or GRE required for most programs. University of Maryland Global Campus, made for you. Last year, we awarded more than $15 million in scholarships to qualified students, including community college students, service members, veterans, and working adults just like you. Discover how we can make your education and your goals for the future a reality. Visit us at umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV. Welcome to the AFA Podcast, the official podcast for AnimationForAdults.com. My name is Rachel, and thank you for joining us today, where we will be talking about the newly released film, Detective Pikachu, the first live-action film focusing around the Pokemon franchise. Joining me today is one of my best Pokemon buddies. You know, we've, we've talked about Pokemon previously on this podcast before. That is Dan. Hey, Dan. Yeah, bug catcher Dan appeared. <laughs> Wants to fight. Okay. I don't want to fight. I just want to... I want to talk about this film because there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack, but it, we're I'm really like, super excited. The second the film finished, my friend turned to me and, like, he's not a massive Pokemon fan. Mm-hmm. So he knew that it was, like, kind of a bigger deal for me. And he turned to me and he was like, So, what do we think? And I just had to be like, It, it was a lot. Yes, <laughs> just, it, was. I was, it was like, um, you know, stepping out of the washing machine cycle, just like, what was that? Is it like I couldn't, I couldn't process it at all. I've not been speechless after a movie like that since like uh, the Last Jedi, I think. Really? Okay, that's that's a really interesting thing. I guess we'll lead off with that then, because I mean, I know when I, if you were like me when the for trailers first came out for this movie when they first started mm. making the announcements. I saw it and I rolled my eyes because I was familiar with the spin-off game that had come out. Um, I think it was about a year or so before the film was announced. Um, oh, the actual detective, Pikachu the actual detective game. Pikachu video right. game. And I was not impressed. I think that I thought the concept was interesting, but the execution was relatively lackluster because the game itself didn't look all that great. And the story wasn't all that interesting or not even. Oh, that so you didn't, familiar. you didn't play the game. No, I was not tempted to spend money on it because I don't. I had just recently gotten. I think I because I just because I, I was playing. Um, if I was playing any Pokemon game, I was still playing uh, 
Pokemon Ultra Sun, which in my opinion was just like, okay, if I'm going to play a Pokemon game, I'm going to play a traditional Pokemon game and just enjoy the heck out of that. I mean, I feel that way too. I feel that way like about, I even felt that way like in the 90s when they had uh, Pokemon Stadium and Pokemon Coliseum and Pokemon Snap. I was oh. like, that's clearly filler, guys. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, Pokemon Snap is great fun. Oh, yeah. And so was Pokemon like Stadium, but I wasn't going to spend my money on them. Yeah, no, yeah. I was, I was lucky enough to get those as presents to be like, just to go nuts over. So I was like, right. okay, I didn't oh, spend money cool. on them, but someone else spent money on them on me. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's probably like a bit like, so we're of the generation where that happened, right? Yeah, yeah, 19, yeah, let's, let's clarify for everyone in case you haven't had a chance to listen to um, our very early, I think it was near the the time when we had actually started even recording this podcast before um, we even had like a game, separate game section for AFA, uh, AFA Gaming, Um, we were talking about, you know, video game stuff and Pokemon, I remember we actually had an episode you and I, I think it was just you and me, we were just talking about, you know, our opinions on po- the Pokemon franchise in general. And we talked about our backgrounds. But we're typically, if you want to carbon date us at a particular generation of like when this franchise was <laughs> when this when this franchise was uh basically in its early heyday, like when the Game Boy uh games were coming out. I think so I know I was. Um remind me <laughs> I can spe- I can very specifically date myself. <clears throat> Excuse me. To um, I must have been. Oh, this is strange now. Okay, I'm I'm looking at the dates, and I'm much older than I thought I was when I started. <laughs> I got Pokemon Yellow when I was ten, mm. July two thousand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. <laughs> that doesn't seem right to me, but apparently it was. That's so cra- no. <laughs> I'm hang on. I'm just like checking this out, and it doesn't. You're making me feel old because I remember getting like Pokemon Red. That was like 1997. So like the movie, so like the movie was like Fever Pitch, right? The first movie. Yeah. Oh God. That was when that came out. That was just like you couldn't. You literally couldn't escape it. That was really in okay, and I remember specifically that it was released in '98. In Japan, mm-hmm. and then it was. I can't find when it was released in UK and US. It wasn't long after because I don't remember. Like, because it was <clears throat> when I was oh, like in the 10, 1999. That makes sense. Yeah, that was um, just before me and my family were getting ready to move back from London. So I remember like, and I don't... a bunch of my other like schoolmates from. Uh, from London, we're all like getting together. We were all going to the theater with our parents to go see the movie in theaters. Doesn't seem right to me still because I'm pretty sure that it didn't come out in the UK until like April. Yeah, I remember it was spring. Like it was, it was a spring because it was. Um... Yeah, because okay, the, the real reason for that is that, and it happens a lot with like um, Disney movies mm-hmm. very often. They're released Thanksgiving in America, big, like, cinema weekend. Mm-hmm. And then it's not so much in the UK. In fact, like, in the UK, cinema going kind of is, I think it's it's big at Christmas. And, like, since, you know, like, um, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, like, that's big Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Cinema stuff and yeah. Star Wars. But apart from that, 
kids movies at least and i'm sure they very much saw pokemon as a kids movie Mm -hmm. um kids movies are pushed to the easter holidays right yeah because those are longer breaks those are long breaks longer breaks and that's like that is kids movie time so (laughs) i think like this year we had um i think like missing link was a big like yeah easter movie that they pushed here anyway so that's kind of how it works out anyway the point is i was 10 (laughs) When I got Pokemon Yellow, I got a yellow Game Boy. That was kind of the first, you know, like, inkling of um, playing the games. Mm-hmm. Um, which, the whole thing was, like, a phenomenon. And it's pretty, like, hard to explain to maybe, like, a pre, like, a, like an internet native younger generation maybe not necessarily because i mean maybe to a degree yes but um it would be i mean it was a very different kind of uh fever when uh years later pokemon go would come out and there was almost almost a exact similar kind of resurgence and interest in pokemon when that when that hit um mobile apps but yeah i think it, it was still very different from like say the the boom back in that or like the late nineties, early two thousands. The late nineties like Pokemon thing was pretty much like I just remember there was a time when you couldn't go into any shop <laughs> without seeing something Pokemon. Like there was Pokemon sweets, candy, or yep. like a magazine in some shop here, and then you'd go into like a home store and there would be like Pokemon like lunch boxes and things and it would just be like completely unavoidable, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. It's like, and that was the only way I could really fit in with my with other kids in my school was like once we once I had a po- uh, copy of uh, Pokemon Red. Like then I was that was the that was how I was able to break the ice with the other, my other classmates was just oh like, really yep. I so, think the, see again the nice thing about the the whole craze was that like if you were on you know if you if your par- if you and your parents couldn't afford um you know, like the expensive actual gaming gear. Mm-hmm. Then there were the cards. Yep. As well, which were tradable, but like that was a whole other thing. Like they were banned at my school. Like, <laughs> yep, there were... Sure there were like a lot of like attempted murders <laughs> <laughs> between like nine-year-olds. About. Give me your shiny Charizard! Yeah, it got... Or like, your Mewtwo card! Yeah, it got violent quickly, and the school just went, oh, this is, no, we have to put a stop to this. And yeah, my school was the same. Um, I went to, and I'm probably going to, like, date myself here, um, I was at uh, Fairley House, uh, I think it was the name of the school that I went to in, when I was living in London, and um, the, that was a very similar thing, like, you know, a lot, I think the game was a lot more popular uh, for kids to be playing than the card game, but the card games were definitely there, but not long after similar things started to break out in the playground and so that was then game yeah. boy games both the game boy games and the cards were basically banned from the school playground I'm like yeah 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 um but i think when i whenever i think about pokemon i do remember the very there's a very specific kind of actually there was a, there was an amazing um like gif comic you know like a sort of animated comic where the panels are sometimes like uh like on little animation loops yeah 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 there was an amazing one i saw a while back and i can't remember who the artist was Mm -hmm. and it had this beautiful little um uh like comic strip 
about a kid sat in the back of the car at night playing Pokemon, um, just kind of relying on the passing streetlights. That's <laughs> the only <laughs> one, right? Yeah, to see, to see, like, they see the screen. Yeah, um, and that for me perfectly captures what Pokemon was. It was a very personal experience when you get down to it. Mm-hmm. It was it was a world that like we all like ended up living in, mm-hmm. uh, but independently. I mean, obviously there were like you know the link ups that you, mm-hmm. could do, you could trade, but the actual like adventuring experience was a very uh, solitary thing. Yeah, it was. And therefore, I think everyone felt that they had very personal experiences. Like, it's, it's a lot of video games have this effect, I think, on people. Mm-hmm. It's why, um, you know, fans of like RPGs mostly are so uh, passionate. I think it's yeah. because you get so engrossed in the world and you are the only other thing interacting with the game that. Yeah, it just feels like a very personal thing. Um, yeah, yeah, I get totally understand that. And I've, I've, I've felt that a lot with games that I've played, and Pokemon especially. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't know, like, it's... And actually, another thing I kind of want to say about the the movie, which, well, about the movie's main character, Pikachu, mm-hmm. which I, I really like their treatment of. Um. I do think that Pikachu is up there with like SpongeBob, Mickey Mouse, you know. Um, yeah, like he's an icon. Like an icon. Yeah, absolutely. Like an iconic like mascot of a thing, which is a perfect timeless design. Uh, and I really like how much the movie respects that aspect of it. Mm hmm. Anyway, um, yeah. So sorry, Rach. Like, so you? No, had, yeah. So you had the Game Boy as well. Yeah, um, I had. We had a couple different Game Boys in my household. Um, we had an original, like big, like brick of a Game the Boy. Boy. Yeah, the original Game Boy um, that my brother had. The big Jungus. The yeah, the big Jungus. That very same one. That was my brother's. Yeah. Um, and later right. on, uh, my because I kept begging my parents for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got me a Game Boy Color, which is what I ended up playing uh, Pokemon Red version on. That was my first Game Boy as well. Yeah, and um, I would later go on to play Yellow like you would and um, pretty much, I think I played the first like Red, Yellow, and then Silver when that eventually came out. But then after that, I kind of fell off the Pokemon bandwagon for a little while. I think it was just because I hadn't, I didn't have the technology to play it because my Game Boy was out of date, and all the Pokemon mm-hmm. games that came out afterward were like for Game Boy Advanced and DS, yeah. etc. Um, yeah. So I just didn't have the technology to to play them. But um, I very much remember like the my years playing uh, Pokemon Red and Yellow were very special because that was again that was like the latter years of my time in London with my family, and. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a big point of connection between me and some of my classmates that we were all Pokemon fans and even kids who didn't really like know what to make of me since I was, you know, transferring from out of, out of the country. Um, And 
basically just plopped into a you uh, to a, an English school for the first time in my life and having to first mm-hmm. wear a, a unit school uniform for the first time in my life. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a Which way we were all connected. Yeah. <laughs> I still, I still see kids like on the way to school and I'm like, Man, and I know funny. I didn't do any points for myself and making my and helping myself fit in when basically um, they showed me the uniform and there's like, okay, so you're going to be wearing this, you know, the sweater and the collared, white polo collared shirt and the skirt. And I'm like, no skirts. I will wear the trousers. Good. <laughs> and no, I've. I vehemently oppose wearing any kind of skirt. And I think that's, I mean, that was the only thing that they allowed me to do was to wear like the boys trousers. And I think because I was one of the only girls wearing the trousers that I think the, everyone looked at me weird because of I it. I think around that time was the time when I noticed girls fighting back about that stuff as well. <laughs> there were like lots of mini, you know, mini protests about that stuff. And the school would like, schools would like slowly as you're saying, like, relent to, yeah, okay, the girls can wear trousers as well. Mm-hmm. But I was, like, one of the only two, like, everyone else in that particular school I went really? to were just, like, for the all way. <laughs> that's the hard thing about school, though, isn't it, where you're, like, look, I, I'm a kid, and kids are not dumb. They know, like, you know, like, you would know, I mean, you, you knew then, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be a girl who wears a skirt. No. And even though you know that that meant possibly like uh you know ostracizing yourself from uh just in terms of like volume like a bigger opportunity to make friends Mm -hmm. you knew that if that was going to stand in the way then you didn't want to be friends with those people anyway exactly and then i found out that i could connect with people with by playing little pocket monsters on Mm. a game boy and 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 kick butt and take names and also get my butt kicked but that you know that was that was the (laughs) trade-off I was terrible at any any kind of battle. Like I would play with my brother, and my brother would always be better than me. And he was he's three years younger than me, and that always used to be a, a point, like a sore a sore point for me because you know he was like six and I was nine, and I was getting my butt kicked. <laughs> he was just he understood like the mechanics of the game. Oh like, yeah, in, in a level I just wanted to like run around and catch cool looking things, and he was like no, you've got to make sure that you've got, like, the right moves, and he used, like, I never used to use defense moves. Oh, yeah, the defensive moves, yeah. did, and I think that was my downfall. <laughs> yeah, I know, I was, I was kind of a similar way, but that, which normally would spell my end, but I, it eventually dawned on me, he's like, hmm, maybe I should be more careful about what I teach my Pokemon. But yeah. I, I was, I was like the master of different typing. Like if, if people were not sure about what types would work against what, I'm like, I'd had all, I had it all figured out. So, so you like, um, you, uh, checked out probably, you say like around gold, silver. Yeah, that was, that was my check. But I did eventually check back in, um, in college. That's when I officially like started picking up games again. And like, cause I was able, I got a 3DS for my birthday. And that allowed me to um, play uh, black and white, X and Y, and now sun and moon. And I'm got to say, I am extremely tempted to play uh, the one that's going to be coming out in the uh, field. Yes. Yes. Uh, Yeah, I got a switch earlier in the year and I was not sure about what kind of investment it was going to be because I bought a Wii. I bought Mm -hmm. a Wii U. 
and I only ever ended up playing one game for the whole mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. got, which is not a waste of money. Actually. No. But I was like, oh, should I really get a Switch like three, two years late? Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, the Pokemon thing was announced. And I was like, okay, cool. There's some life in this thing yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, so I, I think I got every Pokemon. I think the only Pokemon game generation that I missed out on was Black and White. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, because I just ended up buying... I was a Game Boy boy. Like once I had a Game Boy Color, uh-huh. I was like very much okay. Game Boy Advance, that's my next thing, and like got, I saved up for one, and then I got like an SP and a DS. I was like a massive like Nintendo handheld fanboy. <laughs> at least. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, like I think Gold and Silver was is still like the absolute like. Uh, golden like the 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 um what's the word like the apex for me of of it's just my favorites because yeah no i don't blame you that was when they released you know they doubled the number of pokemon Mm -hmm. it went from 151 which we kind of knew like it was kind of everywhere from the start the Mm -hmm. 151 and like when gold and silver came out i would like it was by the time it was around that time I was just starting to go on the internet mm-hmm. uh, by myself, and we had like this crappy dial-up modem, so I was only allowed on for like half an hour a day, uh-huh. because it would actually interrupt the phone line. Oh, yep, yep, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember that. Um, do you remember that? Like that's yeah, used to happen eh. anyway. It did, and I used to like scour fan sites, like oh my god, there's a new Pokemon game coming, out. and there's like a thing called like Pika Blue. Peek a blue, and then I remember um, Don Fan or something, the big elephant, rolling elephant like, thing. Pika, that was another big one. Peek a blue was like Meryl, but everyone didn't yeah. know the name, so they just called it Peek a blue. Yeah. And yeah, and then like when, so, like when Gold and Silver came out, I was like, oh, like this is like a new, like whole group of Pokemon that I can discover myself. It felt a little bit more like a personal discovery kind of. Yeah. The red and blue 151 Pokemon were like everywhere on merchandise, and you know, it was just they were there from the start. Mm-hmm. So I really liked all the secrets in Gold and Silver, and you know, the legendaries. And I loved, I, I really liked Lugia a lot for some reason. <laughs> it's know. a really nice designed, like, yeah, legendary Pokemon, and also, like, Pokemon's like really tied to mm-hmm. me wanting to draw all the time (laughs) so it's a very sort of like personal uh thing really it's and 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 i think i don't know exactly i mean i want to say it's just the fact that maybe the playing the games is such a personal thing you don't get it unless you get it Mm -hmm. but i feel like from maybe i want to say actually like maybe my parents generation there seems to be a level of like disdain for pokemon as like some weird japanese craze yeah and i feel like that's never really truly gone away either Mm-mm. um around the release of the film that we're talking about today like there seemed to be a lot of like i noticed a few because i follow a bunch of um film critics on twitter and a few of them were just like 
can you believe that I'm actually seeing a damn Pokemon film today? And I'm like, wake up. Like, it's it's huge. Like, it's... It was bound to happen. You don't, you don't have to like it, but you have to at least recognize that it's as valid as, like, Lego or something as... Yeah, like, you can't... Phenomenon. You can't say, like, the Lego movie is, like, you know, so, you know, like, the biggest thing without, like, acknowledging, like, the reason why it's so like the lego toys are so special to so many people and the movie did a great job of capturing that and i think in its own way this movie kind of really caught that nostalgia of people that people have for the pokemon franchise in a way like it's at least it relies on it a lot okay okay so we're getting to it now <laughs> yeah i think i think we're we're, tra- we're slowly transitioning we can we can continue to talk about pokemon until we're blue in the face and i would be prepared to but I know people are here to listen to us talk about the Pokemon movie. But I think you, the, what we've talked about so far is a good setup to kind of give you our individual like perspectives on this franchise because that plays very heavily into what our opinions of the film are going to be. Okay, so, I'm 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 ready to dive in and start start talking Pikachu. <laughs> start talking I to Pikachu like, with a little detective I, hat. I guess it began like I mean the other thing like okay so like as a kid, you'd always wonder what the hell is a Pokemon movie going to be? Oh because yeah, because it was so big. It seemed very possible that any day now, Warner Brothers, who owned a lot of the distribution rights of Pokemon, could have turned around. You know, around like two thousand one, mm-hmm. they probably could have been like, "Yeah, so we're doing a Pokemon movie." Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that would have worked. <laughs> In two thousand one, it probably would have not worked very well at all. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so like the cool thing about the movie is that it doesn't follow any of the very warm stories that they could have made a Pokemon movie about. Yeah, and Pokemon movies have been about. It's not about Ash and nope. Ash's Pikachu. It's not about Red or Blue. It's not about Oak. Um, any of those, and they could have done that. Like really. Because the thing is, you know, like Ash Ketchum became as much of a icon as Pikachu, and still is. I mean, the, the Pokemon anime yeah. is still going strong, <clears throat> and um, some people. I mean, <clears throat> obviously, you you there if you've listened, paid attention online, or if you've looked at this fandom at all, you know that the latest season there has been a big split in terms of the fact that you know the animation change for the show was very divisive. And I, lo- but, I, and I love it, by the way. I know it's, it's good. Gorgeous. <laughs> It's fantastic and expressive and all the good things that, you know, good animation has. But, you know, mm-hmm. if people are, are allowed to, like, hold on to their opinions and whatever. But, um, yeah, that's – but, yeah, he is, he is very much an icon, almost as much as Pikachu himself. Like, most people wouldn't really call, like, the main trainer, like, red or blue because those are the names of the original characters of the game. But they would just, oh, that's Ash and Gary. Like, that that's – like the anime really made like even more so than the games did kind of made pokemon of like a household name yeah and they and they and they didn't go with that though they mm-hmm. went with so like i think there's very much like if you can look back at um hollywood throughout the 2010s mm-hmm. i think a watershed moment is the lego movie yeah for being something that sounds like such a cynical cash grab and still is yep 
It's still not that. No. Um, yeah, it's it's still it knows what it is, yeah, but it doesn't make any apologies for it. To do the best possible version of whatever that uh, brief allows. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Hollywood like got that key, like after the Lego Movie, and now you see movies that are like similarly batshit high concept stuff yeah that just gets greenlit and it doesn't sound as nuts because you go oh that sounds ridiculous but i know that posts lego movie basically people are going to look at it and go okay yeah but what how can we make this a story that people are going to really care about mm-hmm and I feel like that's done. I mean, that, that was also the key behind um, Into the Spider-Verse as well. Absolutely. Like on paper, that sounds like a crazy, you know, like a summer annual kind of comic <laughs> idea where it's like, oh, this, this weird idea that we, that we had that mashes together all of these like, universes and it's like somehow it transcends all of that. And mm-hmm. I, anyway, I feel like Pikachu kind of came from that same camp. I believe it's in development in, de- in its development. Mm-hmm. It actually um, passed hands around the same creative people, like higher up, who were involved with developing Spider Verse. Yeah, I think um, I know that there's definitely at least as far as the writing team. I was looking into this before. Um, I know someone who it, that is a had been involved with the Marvel Cinematic Universe was definitely involved. Um, let me see if I can find her name. Right. Oh, Nicole yeah. Nicole Perlman. Yeah. Who was involved with, um, she was uncredited for Thor, Gar- um, mm-hmm. was co-writer with James Gunn for Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly that kind of, that makes perfect sense. Like, I'm, as a producer, that's a good decision mm-hmm. <laughs> to decide let's go with her because whatever that movie is we need some of that energy early on as well like like just like a few months after the film was even um even announced uh mm-hmm. i remember alex hirsch was yes i was so surprised because i had no idea he was involved in that before yeah which again seems like a very like smart decision to go okay you get whatever this thing is because I think, I, I believe also it was developed around a lot of the same people who were developing the Sonic movie. Okay, all right. And what happened was basically a lot of these executives ended up like inheriting these properties that they just didn't know what they were. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, th- I think maybe infamously when um, the deal for the Sonic movie was broken... Mm-hmm. The executive sent around a memo that said, I'm delighted that we now have Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh my god. Oh roster. no. Oh my god. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. That hedgehog. hurt that hurts me. That really hurts me. But it's anyway, the thing the point is is that they hired people who like care. And yes. It comes through in the movie, frankly. Um, that there is a lot of um reverence it could have easily have been something that was a bit you know if it was done by people who didn't love pokemon Mm -hmm. 
yeah so yeah they just got people who care and it comes through and i i think that that is possibly like and i don't mean this is like a faint praise thing mm-hmm. the best thing you can say about the film absolutely because i mean like you said like especially if, i mean even without looking or looking at the um the script just the um Mm-hmm. it's more so in anything else it's the design of the world and the um and the pokemon that inhabit the world because that because i think that what a lot of people like the biggest positive feedback a lot of this movie's been getting is the fact that mm-hmm. it really does feel like the pokemon world that you have come to know in the games and the anime and such where you see pokemon every which way you look and the world building is pretty beautiful Mm-hmm. Um, I that's it's one of my favorite things about the film again like is how casual a lot of it feels like it feels very natural and it's shot in a very naturalistic manner as well like there's lots of like um lots of handheld shots and things mm-hmm. uh making it feel like quite quite realistic in a weird sort of way yeah it's very, it's very strange to be saying that um <laughs> yeah i get you anyway so uh, t- tell me about your experience watching the film okay what, so what do you make of it and how did you see it i originally did not have very high expectations of the film at least not when i f- saw the first like teaser material from it because i had been familiar with the game it was based on and i'm like oh, okay, this is the story we're going with. And I was we- and I was afraid of how much they were going to, like, basically, like, see what they would take from the game and if they would just kind of, like, do it scene for scene. I mean, obviously not scene for scene because you can't do that with a video game, but just, like, follow it to a T or would they adapt it? And then the more I saw from the promo material, I started to realize, like, I think I'm actually getting a little excited for this film because... The more they saw released of like the look of the other Pokemon, you know, and Pikachu included, you know, you saw Pikachu, you saw a lot more of the scenes where the other Pokemon were included. And I looked at them and I'm like, no, wait, these actually look really good. Like those initial shots of um, the Charizard that you see in the film. And I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. That looks really good. That looks really freaking good. And I'm like, but this, like, I'm sure the plot's still going to be crap. So you know what? <laughs> I'm just going to. Go see this movie for the funsies. Like even my my one other good friend uh, I mentioned earlier, uh, Carrie, she um, is not a Pokemon fan. She's more of a Digimon fan than a Pokemon fan. But she's a Ryan Reynolds fan, well first and foremost. So when we found out that he was going to be the voice of this character, and the more material we saw from it, the more jokes that we got from the trailers, she was she was excited to see it too. So we went and saw it together, and. Yeah, it was better than I anticipated. I mean, I would like to say that at least in regards to the story, they definitely built on what they had and improved upon it, for sure. I can't say it's still not, I can't say there aren't, there aren't still holes in it. We can, we can get into this, because I have a lot of, <laughs> I, it's, it's more a reflection of how much I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean this, like, as to how much I think that I had, uh, you know, I would, um, 
I just wished, and I feel like really weird saying this because we're living in like a very, like specifically in the last week, there's been a lot of like, and in the last like two years or so. <laughs> yeah. Like there's been a lot of reckoning with like, how much should fans just shut the fuck up? And yeah, <laughs> considering let, just like. Let writers and, and actors and creators like do their job. Um, and I don't believe that stories should be um, like going to a restaurant and ordering like, oh, I'll have this and I'll have that, ped with that. Yeah. You know, like I think that stories ought to be surprising because most of the time, the trick with drama is audience is tricking an audience into thinking that they knew that they wanted a story to do certain things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's down to creators to surprise us. Yeah. And with that comes risks. And yeah. I, I'm beginning to think like we need to be obviously <laughs> as, as a pop culture is it its best and most memorable when when risks are taken yeah this film definitely took risks and i think it paid off in the best way possible like i was genuinely surprised uh-huh. um by the end of the film with how it paid off and i was i was satisfied with it like on like in my personal opinion i was actually satisfied with how the film ended and right. um just the fact that you know it was a nice little mystery with characters i liked um and like i mean i wasn't i can't say they're my favorite characters of all time and uh, like not not even in the pokemon franchise but just like my but it was a good entertaining film that really kind of brought the pokemon world to life in a way that i never thought i was gonna get it felt yeah that was that was actually very satisfying It, it felt like actually for all of the like there were some crazy lines in the film that I didn't, and things that Pikachu does that I'd never expected to see. A Pikachu I know, like a Pikachu say to get me the hell out of here. Like what? Yeah, that was that was beautiful. A Pikachu <laughs> saying, "How can you not believe in climate change?" Yeah, just stunning. <laughs> but for all intent, like it sounds like very damning praise again, but like. I think it's a very careful film in actual fact. It is. It feels like a film, I I wish they had taken a few more risks. Mm. And I think that part of the reason for that um, is actually the Pokemon company who are really, really heavily involved with development. Yeah, it shows. It feels like, um, you, you know, the movie that they pitched was it the idea that they pitched was to make a detective pikachu movie yes and it feels like that was a very careful very smart decision where they were like okay this isn't ashes pikachu so we're not stepping on that yeah because he has tons of his own films exactly this is um this is another this is another pikachu um and like it's very smart like okay he talks this one okay great that's good for a movie because uh, as brilliant as Pikachu is, and as and as much as I, um, I went oh every time Pikachu talked like a Pikachu in the movie, yeah, it worked for the whole thing. It, <laughs> it did, would, yeah. It would have gotten old very quickly. Anyway, um, it it just feels like a very careful, like dipping, almost like a dipping the toe in the water kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
and it wasn't until the very end when like it was really sinking into the tub and it was like comfortable with doing everything that it was doing that I was like okay this feels like a very good first movie in this Mm -hmm. world Mm -hmm. but now that they have like the trust of the audience I hope that they 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 push it a little bit more well, I, I, from my understanding, I believe a sequel has already been greenlit, but I don't know if that's confirmed. <laughs> I'm. Sh- <laughs> I mean, it's it's very smart, and it's also like very much like the. I feel like the space that Pikachu. Clever, and uh, I, I, I think the marketing for the film actually was excellent. But oh, it was. That's like another story, um, <laughs> and I had the same reaction to you as well. I remember I was at work. Um, in a studio with other animators, with other storyboarders, um, when the first trailer came out, like one, uh-huh. after, and we all watched the trailer like at our computers, and we were just like, "What is this? It's not. Oh god, he's all. Oh, ugh, no, it's not. Oh no, it's not good." And because it was just so different, yeah. But like, I slowly came around to it, mm-hmm. and I really think that. They did an incredible job answering the brief of how do you make this very cartoony, as I said, like a Mickey Mouse level iconic cartoon design, a a real thing, or you, you know, like or at least um, a character that could believably stand next to humans. <laughs> In the movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or in this in this case, stand on their shoulders. Yeah, <laughs> I love that stuff. There's such lovely like attention to detail of all that, and oh yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, so where where were we like with with the movie? I guess we've not really spoken about what what happens. No, so we haven't really I, gotten I, into I the plot all that much. I. I got confused. In the movie. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe then it's you who should be talking the plot through because. Okay, sure. I, I mean, I'm, I'm an idiot, and I get confused very quickly. But I got a little bit confused in this film. You were okay. First of all, you are not an idiot. It's just, I don't know if it was maybe just the the film just struggling with its. I mean, because it the, basically the crux of the story is, is is it's kind of like uh almost like a stereotypical uh detective film where you have um a detective who's been working a big case has gone missing his son is brought in to basically you know pack up his things but he comes across a hint that well, guess what his father might not be dead and he might have just been uh silenced or so forth uh by whatever case he was pursuing and uh now the son's getting pulled into the the case itself and ends up solving it. That's, I mean, that's kind of been a story that anyone who's at least vaguely familiar with detective films can get into. But what makes this special is how in how they integrate that kind of story and they blend elements of the world, what makes the Pokemon world so special. And the fact that it's very unusual for someone to be walking around without a Pokemon partner of some kind. And that comes up a lot in the film. Um, and when we are introduced right. to uh, Tim Goodman, who is the main character. And same name as his game counterpart, by the way. Um, they didn't change that. That was that was carried over from the game. 
Um, and basic, and, and, and another thing I should mention, since I've had background with the game that this was based on too, is that um, the character in the game was your very generic kind of like nice generic protagonist. Like there was really not much else to like write home about. And the fact that he was just relatively smart to figure stuff out alongside with his uh, also talking Pikachu. Um, but I imagine what I, in the that, I imagine in the game that the main character was the person that the player played. I'm sorry. I had trouble hearing you there. The person, I mean, the player probably played that character, right? Exactly. Yeah, he was the player character. Right. And, um, but I have to say, I really like that they made the changes that they did in order to kind of really work the fact that, you know, this character's father is missing and maybe they didn't have the best relationship. Maybe some stuff mm. happened. And I really like that they kind of used that, basically took that direction because in a way that just made the, um, the main character of, you know, Tim Goodman in the movie, a lot more relatable because it almost seems like, you know, cause he's, a, he's not a teenager. He's someone in his early twenties who's trying to make it as an adult, just not as an adult who goes out and trains Pokemon. Um, so in a way it's kind of reflects people yeah. who may have like, you know, some of us who were really passionate about Pokemon growing up and may have not checked back in or still like it, but are constantly going back and forth between the, you know, adult struggles too but still like to check back in on this world and see what's going on because we, we enjoyed it so much and we continue to enjoy it, which was a very, very smart move to do with the script in terms of getting to yeah. pull, like pull, use that nostalgia in a way to kind of help you relate to a character. Um, but yeah, yes. It's, it's, very, it's very subtle, actually. I thought that it was going to be a lot more like meta, but mm -hmm. they didn't really go too much into that. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of there to notice if you wanted. Yeah. So I guess um, we could probably go ahead and just talk about like you know more spoilerific uh, stuff since we want if we want to talk about the story in and its in its entirety. I guess I I should stop yeah. being vague and actually get to talk about this in detail. So if you haven't seen the movie already, go see it. Like I, I would still say like even if you're not a hundred percent like. Even if you're only mm -hmm. vaguely familiar with Pokemon, this might still be a really fun ride for you, just because of the surrealism of it all. But um, yeah, if you're a Pokemon fan, like if you haven't already seen this, then I highly recommend that you do so. Even if you had like hesitations, like I did, in regards to its quality, just just go see it. Just, just go, <laughs> go, go and watch it. Also, it's also fun that you. I think you can spoil because I purposefully didn't watch like the final round of trailers. Ah. And I didn't read anything about it before the movie, and because mm -hmm. my 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 friends were like, there is like a weird casting decision. <laughs> there is an older British actor in this film, and ah, uh -huh. they're like, damn, he's one of your favorites, and you're gonna like this. Uh -huh. and I was like, don't tell me anything more. I want it to be a surprise. <laughs> and when he disappeared in the movie, I I lost it. <laughs> I bet you did. I know so exactly who you're talking about. From this point on. Yeah, so we're we're going to be getting, and from here on out, we're going to be talking about the film in depth. So I love the way the film starts out. Um, it is very, it had, as a, most other Pokemon films that start very big and very loud, this had a very, well, I guess not really, because, I mean, the first Pokemon movie had a very relatively quiet opening beyond uh, the 
uh, the initial scene. Because this... she's vacation. Yes. That's not quite. <laughs> but um, no, they like there was a huge nod to the very first Pokemon movie uh, in the opening sequence where we get to see the lab and we see Mewtwo mm-hmm. in his little containment unit, and then you see the the car taking off. And then Mewtwo breaking out and then chasing down the car, which I can't tell you, I got the hugest chill watching that scene because I was very struck. I mean, I know Mewtwo had been shown in the promo materials already, so I knew he was in this film and I knew he was in the game yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. So I knew I, I knew he was going to be in here, but this was my first time really getting to see his design aside from like the couple second clip that we were shown in the trailers. And I'm like, oh, damn. He like, he looks... <laughs> exactly alien enough but not like so much that he looks out of place when it was just being able to see kind of him kind of do his thing you know busting out and even like i think there was an exact line reference from the first movie if i recall correctly okay uh, and here begins my confusion okay okay here we go (laughs) okay so i thought that because they were using the same shots as in the first movie as well. Yes. Like when he when he breaks out of that lab, uh-huh. where he's in like the circular, uh, you know, um, like tank. Mm-hmm. They are using exactly the same shots as are in Pokemon the first movie. Yep. So I was there watching it, going, "Okay, this is Mewtwo's origin story." Mm-hmm. Which it kind of isn't. No, it isn't. Yeah. He, and that he, was... He just con- been around the block. <laughs> that was confusing as hell to me. Uh-huh. Because suddenly, when spoilers, um, later on in the movie, Mewtwo is like a benevolent figure. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck's going on? And my friends were like, yeah, it's clearly Pokemon... It's clearly Mewtwo post-Pokemon the first movie, where he becomes good again. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't clear. <laughs> I well, thought it was okay. To be fair, to be fair, they only mentioned that, and at least in the actual film, that was like a single line in like the middle of the film where that's mentioned. Yeah. Like otherwise, yeah, because I will admit, I, in that beginning, I was just as confused as you are. Like, is this like the origin, or is this like in continuation? Because the only reason I had a inkling that it wasn't because that was the plot in. Um, the game as well. Mewtwo is actually again the one that basically set Pikachu on this path. They gave him the ability to talk and uh, yeah. kind of set the plot in motion because the plot is still very much centered around the fact that someone basically held him captive for a little while and used his genetic code to start making this uh, concoction to use against, you know, to basically make Pokemon like super violent and uh, powerful. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically Mewtwo was basically putting, you know, asking this Pikachu basically like, Hey, we need to figure out who's involved in this because I think this is more, this is, this is deeper and I need to track down all of these things, but I can't do it by myself. Um, so w- at least not without blowing people up because you seem to think that people are worth saving. So, you know what, I'll let you do your way to start. And then <laughs> if it doesn't work out, I'll do it my way and I'll just blow things up. And Pikachu's like, okay, solid. Um, but yeah, so (laughs) there is a one throwaway line in like the very middle when they're watching all the like lab recordings and the very first one before they've captured Mewtwo, the doctor basically drops the line that this Pokemon like 
originally was created and escaped from the Kanto region like 10, 20 years ago. So this is established to have been a like okay, you just been out and around in the world for a while. Again, this is probably why I need to see the movie twice. twice <laughs> when it began, and I don't know where it came from. Like I had like a tough week, and it I was watching it Friday night, mm-hmm. and I I just was so excited. Mm-hmm. I think I was so excited still by that point that I wasn't actually paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah because the world just sucks you in like aside from that opening sequence that i'm describing the sequence right after it is even better like i'll get into it in a sec but just like yeah i still can believe but well, well, let's go into it now like the scene that happens next is i think a really really clever um way of starting the movie I- agreed because we get a beautiful opening shot of this countryside and we see birds flying, but they're not actually birds. They're bird Pokemon. Are they Pidgeots? Pidgeys and Pidgeots. And I think I saw a couple um, Spearows in there. Like they're just, but they're given the exact, at least with the way the shot's set up, it's like, they're not, the shot's not making a big deal of the fact that these Pokemon are on screen. They're just there. And they're being captured in the way that like animals would in any other movie. Mm -hmm. It's really... Uh, really smart because they could have easily have like as you said like had a shot where they perch and like we drink in like all of the nice effects and we're like oh look there's a pidgey it's just sort of it just takes it for granted and all of the people in the movie react like that to Pokemon which is just again like it's what you it's that extra level of realism and believability that you don't get from the games yeah. Uh, in terms of just like seeing people's behavior next to these things. Exactly. And the fact that these things have become such a part of everyday life that it's not a big deal. It's, it's yeah. not like, I mean, the, the guy who basically is, you know, um, I forget the character's name, but his best friend, the Tim's uh, good friend that invites him back to um, out to out in a, down the woods to go catch a Pokemon. Movie. I'm yeah. sorry? To be fair, he's only in two scenes, so I can't remember. Yeah, so whatever's best for you. So basically, he's trying to get encouraged him to catch a Pokemon, which is a Cubone, and I love that like character moment. Where he's like, "Oh, they're like he's Cubone would be the best partner for you because he's lonely." Like that was. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and again, like it's very much like the way they've set it up is. I mean, like I, talking about it now is reminding me of like Ratatouille, where it's like, "Hang on, you're the weirdo for not." behaving like everyone else in this world mm-hmm. the way that he's because he's i think um tim's an accountant yeah insurance something like insurance, insurance broker yeah. yeah yeah and it's like the the joke is like what a weirdo Why yeah everyone else is out <laughs> going on this like crazy like pokemon journey like we would come to know in the video games and then it's like he's just the one guy sitting at sitting in a desk job because but there are people that way like that in the Pokemon world, we just don't see them. And it's 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 awesome. I I love all of that stuff. The the implication that like yeah, like there are insurance brokers in this world because we still need to run an economy, even though there are Pokemon in this world. Yeah, even though we have Pokemon like helping with like say power plants and uh, yeah. other like you know firefighters with squirtles which we see on a screen when later in Rhyme City yeah. Um, yeah. like we have all of that but still like 
we have still have insurance brokers and desk jobs and stuff like that because someone's got to do it. I mean, I guess the other like comparisons to the like there are lots of comparisons. I feel like are very easy to make with the movie mm-hmm. during that scene where they're catching the cubone, uh-huh. which again is like the reason it's a great setup is because that's the first scene in any Pokemon game. It's catching your first Pokemon. Exactly. Um, in the later games, I think like it's actually a scene, but in like red and blue, it's just you know it's it's Professor Oak showing you, and it's yeah the three starter Pokemon. It's a very nice like lead into the world, and I feel like it's also, I mean maybe it's probably not very good to watch if it's your first experience of anything. Yeah, because you w- you wouldn't get that context. Uh, but the film tries that anyway. Anyway, like during that scene, it's clear that Tim doesn't really like Pokemon. No. He's scared of them. He doesn't trust them. And I turned to my friend and I whispered, I don't like talking in movies. I should say this, but I had to whisper to my friend, mm-hmm. did Pokemon uh, kill his brother and drop a piano on his head? <laughs> That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Because it there's a lot like, of yeah. Because it felt like, oh, this is Roger Rabbit. This is going to be the story of Eddie Valley and, and Roger Rabbit, where he's like, I don't like Pokemon, and then he's forced to solve a detective mystery with a with a tone with a tune slash Pokemon, and it's like that's there. And I yeah. I, I liked the um, in a way like that's a nice familiar story as well for us to get into. You exactly. know, we understand someone reacting the way how maybe uh, an older family member might if you showed them this movie like what the fuck is that it's a it's a, it's a thing that's wearing its dead mother's, mother's skull. mother's skull yes i love the fact that they reference that in the scene by the way because i think a lot of people who are like casual fans of pokemon seem to forget that the pokemon has a very dark edge to it sometimes if not all the time well okay I, I, that perfectly leads into the next clever thing that they did with the movie uh-huh um which is they set it in Rhyme City. Yes. Because the first like region that we're in in the movie is a world where, yeah, you do catch Pokemon and they go on Pokeballs and you keep them on your belt or something. Like like in the games basically. Yeah, basically you go on your journey, it's a it's your rite of passage to like go on through a journey and go to through the different regions, et cetera. So yeah, very briefly we're set up that, that that's the setup there. But Rhyme City is a completely different beast. Rhyme City does two great things. I mean, I just mean like creatively. It, mm-hmm. So basically, Rhyme City is somewhere where Pokemon and humans are living in harmony. It's like an experiment city mm-hmm. where the experiment is what if we all got along? Mm-hmm. And it's very like Zootopia in that sense as well. Yeah. Um, but the clever thing about that is that it's done two things. Visually, it means the Pokemon are out all the time. So even though that means a lot more work for the uh, amazing VFX teams, mm-hmm. uh, it means that you, they're visually there all the time. So you're not sidestepping that. The other thing as well is that it cleverly sidesteps the kind of icky ethics of Pokemon basically being slaves. Yeah, the the basic yeah the the, the whole cockfighting yeah. the. the the slave slash cockfighting, um, you know, the that comparisons that have been happened with Pokemon before, yeah. 
that element of it, it has like icky optics that are not going to play well in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sidestep that, which is great. Uh, but Rhyme City is like, I love it. I mean, I don't, I mean, one of the things that's like immediately obvious to at least the audience that I was with is um, definitely that it's just a redressed London. It is. That was that was always supposed to be the case. Was, that was in the, the, movie the game was like too. Filmed in London, and it's a really awesome like redressing of uh, parts of London, but it's not total. It reminds me very much of. I don't know if you've read the the uh, comic series Saga. I mean, I guess the most obvious comparison is Blade Runner. Uh, I feel okay, like Saga. Yeah. I feel like Saga is probably a better comparison in terms of just how it's taken a real place and mm-hmm. slightly redressed it and it's slightly changed the lighting and it feels like a fantasy setting. Okay, I getcha. Uh, which is kind of how they approach world building in, in Saga. Anyway, uh, where are we with the movie? So, so we, we're, we've just arrived at Rhyme City. Um, basically, Tim Goodman has gotten the bad news. Yeah, because he gets a bad phone call. Yeah, a bad phone call about his father, who was a detective in Rhyme City, he was part of the police force there, um, unfortunately has passed away, and he is being called in to basically collect his things and, you know, kind of the, the not-so-good things about saying goodbye to a family member. I know that all made all the more complicated because it's made very clear that Tim, when he's interacting with the um, the gentleman in the police, in the police station that he did not have a very good relationship with his father at all the incredible ken watanabe yes like uh just seriously and his snubble he has a snubble snubble. it reminds me again like of i'm just reminded of other films watching this but anyway um and i'm i'll try not to do that too much that's okay (laughs) uh but it's like it's very much like the thing that they did with alec guinness Mm-hmm. With Star Wars, where they were like, okay, we need like an older actor with gravitas to come in and like sell the emotions of this world mm-hmm. and the seriousness of it in one scene. Mm-hmm. And he does it brilliantly because he plays it completely straight. He does. Absolutely. Um, when he has to act off a snubble for all things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, Tim, yeah, Tim's like dealing with the loss of, fa- of of his father, who it's clear as well is like, like you said, is he's a distant relation almost. Like he was, he was absent a lot, is he? Mm-hmm. And t- Tim has a lot of resentment of him for that. Mm-hmm. And we also learn that his his mother died. Yeah, but yeah, that, I think that's a bit later. But it's very clear that him and his father grew apart pretty early and on to be uh raised by his grandma as well mm-hmm. exactly uh, which is a really nice little specific idea um and uh he goes into his dad's office to clear some things away and, like all along like the movie is is really it's like in in this part is really doing the noir thing justice exactly like, yeah really dark and it looks like looks like a Michael Mann film or something like, <laughs> very, like lit 
you know, just with like neon, like, you know, and street lights and things. And it's rainy and foggy. And they're really leaning into that thing. But like all along, there are lots of little Pokemon everywhere. And it's so well done. And then we also get the yeah. introduction to uh, Lucy Stevens, played by uh, exactly. Catherine Newton and her Psyduck, who was probably one of my favorite characters in the film, just because <laughs> Psyduck is just this one of the strangest Pokemon like over the original 150. But I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. He's a... I still don't really understand. <laughs> this is, this. I think this is, again, like, this is the appeal of Pokemon, is that if you explain too much, it ruins yeah. it. Yeah. And and it's definitely like, you know, the whole side up thing. This doesn't make it. This a, it's a duck that's like anxious or. It, he gets very or... bad. He basically lives his entire life with a headache. Mm hmm. I remember that being like the uh, first thing I learned about it in the, in the anime and him being like a comic relief character in the anime for like the first couple seasons. Um, but yeah, like he meets her and he, she basically gives the hint that something was going on with his father before he died. And that's when he gets up and he finds out his dad was really trying to like do right by him and try to reach out to him and get to know him better which we get in a really nice scene later on, right. which we'll get to, but um, that's when he first encounters the strange chemical, which uh, turns Pokemon crazy, which I've already alluded to, um, which is uh, defined as R, um, which he uh, inadvertently discovers what it does by uh, opening up a canister of it, and uh, it infects a bunch of Pokemon right outside his window. And then he runs into Pikachu, which he finds out he uh, can actually understand speaking in perfect English to him. And the Pikachu is just as surprised as he is. Yeah, it's like it's like that's 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 really heavy eye contact. You understood me. <laughs> I've been so lonely. Yeah, no, which is which is again like a really nice setup to uh, the idea, like a theme running through the movie, which is um, very much like I, I feel, I feel like um, it's very much like a dog owner thing. Mm-hmm where there is like a level of understanding that you'll have with your dog that is beyond words yeah and like even sometimes sometimes it's even beyond like expressions you don't have to you just have to just go oh, this and they look at you like yeah okay get it it's a very <laughs> like uh deep unspoken yeah uh, understanding mm -hmm. that that goes on, and they kind of play on that to a deep level with the Pokemon. They do, really, um, and that's like a nice theme running through because, again, like you know, it doesn't. The Pokemon could be cute, and that would only sustain ten minutes, really. Yeah, exactly. In fact, actually, it's been proven like twenty minutes is the limit. I think YouTube <laughs> Vacation and all of those short movies that play before Pokemon movies. Oh, right, yeah. That's the limit of uh, not having, you know, just having Pokemon without human characters. Yeah. So they need to establish, okay, like, what is it about the humans and the Pokemon, uh, you know, that's important. So they quickly set up, yeah, the relationship between, and it's got really nice, like, buddy 
buddy movie vibe where they're not fast friends. No, yeah. I mean, because Tim's still trying to deal with the fact that he wants to be kind of like have this whole over and done with so he can just move on. But he's still dealing with crap at the peak in his this Pikachu, which he finds out was his dad's partner, basically who has a supposed link, the fact that his father could still be alive is trying to pull him into the mystery uh, to try and figure out what's what's going on. Because unfortunately for the Pikachu, he can't remember anything. He has amnesia. And basically that basically is encouraging him to kind of figure out what's what's ha- what happened to him in order to, you know, piece together what's happened to Harry too, which was and the Pikachu is con- the, and, and Detective Pikachu is convinced that Harry's alive. Uh-huh. He just knows it. And, it's, and it plays like a very sort of like uneasy sort of thing for a little bit where it's like, oh, is he dead or is he not? And mm-hmm. it's a nice uh, you know, it's it, again, it's like, it, it really feels like a proper detective film as well at times. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's that's awesome. Anyway, so at the same time as all of this is going on. Yep. Uh, we have Bill Nye. <laughs> yes! He just literally appears in the movie, like in a, in like a PSA for his own strange uh... city. Because he's the one who founded Rhyme City. He's the founder of Rhyme City. Okay, right. I forgot that. Yeah, Howard Clifford is the name of the character. He's basically the one who kind of decided, you know, wanted to basically put forward the experiment of what happens when Pokemon and humans live side by side. No Pokeballs, no battles. And And he's like a philanthropist. He's a very sort of like... Um, he wants the world to be better for everyone, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. That, that's the, very much a philanthropist trying to make the world a better place kind of guy. Yeah, um, and we all know that that sort of <laughs> talk is what you yeah. hear from people like Thanos. <laughs> you know, he, <laughs> the, road, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Exactly. Um but anyway, he's like presented as yeah, as that pretty much up front. And because it's Bill Nye, you're just like or I was at least. So I was just like, Well, oh, this is perfect. I love this. And I mm-hmm. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> I didn't see it coming that he was the villain of the movie. Oh really? Because I had I had I had a guess. Like after a certain point, I feared like no way, something doesn't does something after doesn't click. Point. Yeah, but not like his, his introduction. No, yeah, his introduction was fine. Yeah, that was like that. You you had no way of tell like telegraphing that. Oh yeah, he like by this one introduction that like, yeah he's the bad guy. I'm realizing that the plot is actually quite complicated. There are lots of little things going on, but mm-hmm. but roughly what happens is Pikachu and is it Tim? Yeah, Tim. Tim. Played by Joseph Smith. Like they um. Uh, and who, who's Catherine Newton's character? She's the, Lucy Stevens. She is Lucy, a she junior is, reporter. She's awesome, and I love. I just want to like say again, like I love everything she wears in this. Is exactly how you would expect people to dress mm-hmm. in a Pokemon thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it, I just, I love watching her. Um, just and she's like a really her performance is really. Um, enthusiastic as well oh absolutely her energy just leaps off the screen yeah it's a really nice like brilliant like broad really but really sincere like take on on 
on a character. Anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> um, so Bill Nighy, yeah. Bill Nighy. We're talking about Bill Nighy and the uh, fact that he was the the founder of Rhyme City. Yeah, and he's talking about like handing the reins over to his son, right? Yeah. I can't remember the plot very well. <laughs> I was so seriously. I was so yeah. Was so overwhelmed with the with. <laughs> what I was watching I wasn't very good at taking so let me let me go ahead and see if I can kind of like bullet point some of these points in the movie for you so after Pikachu and uh Tim meet they basically decide that you know okay we are going to try and see if we can find any clues here Mm -hmm. and um it eventually leads them to look for um uh Lucy Stevens or Cat Catherine Newton because she had just encountered Tim the other night basically giving a hint that he was you know something was a big case that his father was involved in so they track her down and that's where we get another nice scene where we are introduced to um uh Howard Clifford and his son Roger Clifford played by Chris Greers um who are in the recording in this uh, studio and we have a scene of like so we can definitely see so there's tension between the two of them um and then Lucy Stevens gives Tim a lowdown on what she knows that um, Harry was looking for and basically points him to an informant that was a quote unquote at the docks because we haven't seen that in a detective movie before. Um, That is where we get the very, uh, very advertised scene of Tim and Pikachu going down to this uh, warehouse area and running into a Mr. Mime, uh, which is the informant that uh, the informant for uh, Tim's dad, and they have this whole sequence, which you've seen a bajillion times in the uh, promotional material, but I have to say, even though I had seen that beginning part of it over and over in the promos, I still actually really enjoyed this scene from how it Yeah, and it works it. in the movie really well for when it uh, when it comes up, and mm-hmm. the really the smart thing that they've done with the characters is they've they've kept like some of the Pokemon as just you know, basically their character designs and yeah, a little bit of their cute, thing, like Jigglypuff, right? Yeah, yeah. We did like a, we have a shot in the um but the then, cafe where we have a Jigglypuff singing to a guy who's fast asleep on the table. I love that. Like it's just a two second shot, but it was worth every penny. Perfect. Yeah, but then they have like things like um like Mr. Mime, who's just an ass. Like is this Mr. Mime is a bit of an asshole. I know, like literally, a Mr. Mime miming. You can shove it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like Snubble is like, um, like Ken Watanabe. Snubble is really super grumpy. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's very, it's really nice of that. So yeah, but the Mr. Mime stuff is really funny, and um, yeah, like Ryan Reynolds is just kind of killing it all the way through. He's very Absolutely. much in Deadpool mode though, where he's just. Or, you know, like the genie, like Robin Williams is a genie, where he's just like, I can see you've got the script and that's very nice, but I'm just going to run with some whatever comes into my head. Yeah, I, you can <laughs> tell that that was basically how, um, I think I remember seeing an interview at one point uh, with Ryan Reynolds talking about when he was approached yeah. for this role, um, that basically they, that he was like, okay, I've got some voices I can like do for whatever, you know, for for this role. I can, you know, make up some like character voices or whatever. And the like the director's like the record was like that's great Ryan, but how about you just we just try this as you to start like let's just see how you just you be you, and we'll see what we'll see what we get and obviously it's clear that that's what they decided to go with, and- which again is really clever because they didn't 
you don't need to worry about what we're going to do. It's always going to be Pikachu. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in one way or another, it's always just going to be Pikachu, and it's 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 interesting. You know, it's very it's very clever as well. Like how they realized, yeah, we're just going to accept it. <laughs> we're going to roll with it. Either you're in or you're not, and um, that's I think when the movie again is like it's sorry, it's most fun. Yeah. When, when it's just assuming that you're just in. Yeah. And gonna go with it. Pretty uh, much. And it was from that scene was we get they they get some information after the scene with the Mr. Mime and that leads them to an unofficial battle arena, which is again in terms of the setting, was a very well designed scene of how they basically took this idea of again an underground like fighters ring or um like an MMA ring or cage match kind of thing. Well, like you said, like a legal cockfighting. Yeah, again, like it's basically that kind of setup, but it's just obviously a lot more loud and bombastic because they have loudrids, these big like sound box yeah. Pokemon, like pumping like techno beats and crap. But I'm like, wow. I, I mean, yeah. I always figured that this is what the these Pokemon would be doing, but it's quite another to actually see them doing their thing. And it never is like an actual Pokemon battle either, because the Charizard is. The Charizard that Pikachu is ready to fight gets infected with the with the R. Yeah, the guy who that they're that challenges them to the battle basically is uh, the supplier that has been using these the the Mm -hmm. little capsules of R, and he gives Mm -hmm. it to his Charizard before the fight. And And of course, and he's got himself like (laughs) Pikachu's constantly mentioning how he's shirtless. (laughs) Yes, and and, um, all I see are nipples. He's got like a really nice, again, like a really nice broad, similarly to, oh god, I keep forgetting her damn name. Um, what's she called? Uh, person, the Psyduck Signer in this film. I'm sorry, uh, which one? The girl. Um, oh, um, Lucy Stevens, uh, Catherine Lucy, Newton. Such a plain name, sorry. I know, Lucy. I know. Okay. Um, similarly to Lucy, he's got like a nice like Pokemon trainer, the classic Pokemon trainer design. Uh-huh. Yeah, you, you'd see this guy on, like, the road who basically, come, you make eye contact with him, he's just like, and that's actually, again, made eye contact. He wants to battle. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and this is when, like, the movie's, like, okay, we've got, it's delivering on the premise of, like, this is Pikachu. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is Charizard. And they are in a film together, and they are doing the things that you expect them to do, and it's it's all great fun um then i can't remember i can't remember what happens okay so basically so basically what happens everything goes south in the um during the battle because um pikachu finds that he can't use his powers when he's put into the first he you know he agrees to this battle like you know willy-nilly he's like okay i'm ready to duke it out but then when he tries to use any of his uh powers it won't work and which puts him at a disadvantage. I know it looks, my mom was, was sitting and watching this movie with me and my friend when we went to go see it. And she's like, that she laughed so hard because it looks like he's trying to like take a crap. And I'm just like, well, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And things continue to go south because, uh, Tim actually gets into the fight trying to like keep the Charizard off Pikachu. Um, and then of course that makes everything go bad. The guy who who's the Charizard's trainer, he gets in the mix of things and all the 
are capsules that he has basically breaks and then all the Pokemon in the stadium area go completely bonkers. Um, which leads to the cops arriving and then having another scene, follow-up scene with um, Watanabe Mm -hmm. basically saying like, okay, you're obviously delusional and like with grief and I didn't want to show you this, but this is a video of the car crash that we have and I'm sorry, but your dad's dead. Like really dead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, When that's where we get the really nice scene, um, emotional scene with um, Pikachu and Tim where Tim basically kind of elaborates um, on his history a little bit and the fact that his fathers wanted to connect with him reconnect with him but he never took that opportunity because he that because of the resentment that he held on for him but then he find out when he came here that how much his father really did care about him and was really torn up the fact that he never really made that he never really tried to patch things up with them before yeah he died. and tim didn't really reciprocate that much either there's always no. the thing him going to visit Mm-hmm. That never happened, right? Just yeah, it, it was it was always like that thing of like I'm just a train ride away. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's at that point we um after that short scene, which was really nice, I have to say that's probably like I, I wasn't sure how like the like the heartfelt moments were going to land in this movie, and I was really surprised how how well it did, especially with those two characters. Um, yeah, yeah, they have a really like nice connection. And that's where we get the major plot revelation later on, where um, we actually get another so with Bill Nye, where he actually invites uh, Tim and Pikachu to his building and, and basically reveals the fact that he was the one who hired his dad to investigate his son in regards to genetic experimentation and the use of that chemical. And that led to basically the revelation of the scene that we had with Mewtwo and how he was involved in his dad's disappearance and mm. Pikachu's memory loss. So now we have the new goal of find Mewtwo and which leads us back to um, Lucy Stevens who does some digging and then we go to the big laboratory sequence. We go out to the country and have that and find the old laboratory where we saw in the beginning of the film. Lucy Stevens who is like proving herself to actually be the only competent detective. Yeah, film. like she's <laughs> she's doing all this stuff like digging and like yeah, all basically like basically being the real detective of the film. Even mm-hmm. though the film is called Detective Pikachu, who has a little detective hat and everything, it's really Lucy who's the detective. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so they end up going to like the mountains, basically, where they're going to find. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the same place where they filmed Skyfall. It looks very similar. In Scotland, um, Glen Nevis. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, not important, but it's just it's because the movie was filmed in the UK. Yeah, I gotcha. Kind of like, I can just, just about see, like, you know, oh, this is like, anyway. Um, and I love the scene in the car with Pikachu in the baby seat next to Psyduck, and Psyduck's trying to get Pikachu to rub its feet just so it doesn't have a headache. Yeah, all like, of that stuff. It's so good. All of that stuff is lovely. I, <laughs> it, it, it's so good, and it's it's again it's like um it's really nice that they just again it feels like they they have confidence in the characters just let them do that mm-hmm. and that's i think when the movie's like at its strongest anyway so they go to the um to yeah the like, laboratory the research lab and they kind of break in mm-hmm. and they discover pokemon that have been experimented on there was 
Greninja that have been genetically modified to be super duper aggressive and more powerful, uh, Torteras mm-hmm. that have been experimented on to be super like large, but we don't see those just yet. We see the regular ones, um, but we'll get to the big ones. And um, Lucy's doing some digging. Tim and uh, Pikachu go off on their own and they find Mewtwo's old containment uh, tank. And that's but where they the find the same these... time. Yes. They're being. They're being watched by um, the actor. Obviously, the, um, we have Chris Greers. Who looks um, a lot like, I think everyone has said this, he looks like Milo Yiannopoulos. You know, <laughs> that guy who's a real douche. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a big deal, like, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't, I... It's Chris Gear playing Roger Gifford is his name. Yeah, Roger Clifford, yeah. Sorry. It's okay. No, it's it's Sorry. fine. Um yeah, but you see him in a car, like the, there's cameras constantly yeah. watching them as they're in this research facility, and then you see him in a car, like kind of like on his way there, and then he mm-hmm. uses like a remote activation to open up the containment tanks with the Greninja, and then they sneak up on Lucy, get her, and just while we get all this plot revelation in terms of uh what happened with, you know, that Mewtwo's the source of the R chemical and the fact, you know, that he was being, he was captured just so that they could make it. And then he broke out and supposedly uh, Tim's dad, Harry, was actually the one who went out and caught Mewtwo for them to use in this experiment. Yeah. And we have the, is that the Rita Aura flashback? Yes. Yeah. Uh... And... It's yes. really funny. I just went on to Aura's IMDb page, um, <laughs> and it says like known for, and it has it lists like the movies and it shows some posters. Uh huh. Fifty Shades of Grey, Fifty Shades Freed, Southpaw, Detective Pikachu, and all, <laughs> all of all the other movies are like really steamy, like erotic thrillers from the looks of it. Like, <laughs> like sexy posters, like where they're like people kissing and like wearing nice shirts and things. And, uh-huh. then, and then just Detective Pikachu. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a different role jump. That's for sure. Um, anyway. Um, so yeah, like we see what happened with, with, um, with Mewtwo. And it's like, they have this, um, this technology where they sort of have like, hologram recording yeah they we were introduced to this in the scene with um with uh bill nagy where he basically says yeah with basically saying like because i'm in a wheelchair and i can't go very many places we've i basically invested some money to make like this kind of super awesome like flashback recording and it was i mean in terms of getting a flashback across it was pretty effective it was it was very much like the um you know, uh, uh, computer enhance mm-hmm. like DSI uh, trope of like, yeah. If we could just move the camera around to the other side of this car, we would <laughs> we would see that this is actually the person we're looking for, and they're still alive. Yeah, and I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess it's a you know, it's a thing that kids have to follow. But I thought that was a bit convenient. Yeah, I mean, obviously it is, but still, it it it, it did what it was supposed to do. Um, so we're to... coming up to like the biggest surprise in the movie for me at least because I just didn't know what was happening mm-hmm. and I was losing my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> let's definitely see. the weirdest 
overall moment, I think, in the film. Fair enough. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's something again that was promoted in the in the teasers too, and that's um, basically. But, but, but not. But like, it's very cleverly hidden mm-hmm. as well. Like, it's it's up front in the trailers, like the scenes are, mm-hmm. but what it means is not. Yeah, exactly. So we have a really awesome action sequence initially when after they've they've kind of gotten the pieces of the plot that they can from this uh, from this research facility, they go back to find Lucy. She, who is currently being held hostage by, in probably one of the most disturbing ways possible by this, these Greninja being like, because when you look at a Greninja, and this is something I find really clever about their designs, like it looks like they're wearing like a, some kind of scarf. No, it's just their tongue. And so they take full advantage of the fact that that's something, that's how these things work in terms of the fact that that's how they're kind of holding her. And it's like oh, really, gross. it's so gross and so creepy. And like, oh, I forgot that there's such a creepy element to Pokemon on top of the cutesiness. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a really good chase sequence with the Greninja as they're trying to get away from the them and the lab. And as they're running away, you know, obviously Lucy's got her Psyduck on this like little kitty backpack that she's carrying around, which has been, again, fantastic. And as they're getting stressed, as he's getting stressed, Pikachu realizes like, oh, this is a great time to take advantage of Psyduck's headaches. And basically... <laughs> winding him up. Winding him up and insulting him. It's like, I regret, my, my hands have regret, you know, regret rubbing your feet. Like that kind of like really silly, like Ryan Reynolds, like lines, like, and then of course Psyduck does its big, like psychic wave attack thing that it does, which um, blasts away the Greninja. But as soon as that's done, the ground begins to shake and we get this scene where like the ground starts kind of curling in on itself it's, or the, it, the entire it, mountain it, starts curling it in on something itself. out of inception yeah what happens is like the floor starts opening up that's pretty wild enough mm-hmm. then it starts like folding upwards on itself mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like folding together and if it keeps on folding together it's going to be like the trash compactor in star wars mm-hmm. and they're going to be like crushed by the earth like folding over on itself mm-hmm. and i was just like what the the hell is going on? I can't, I can't process this. It's like a scene out of like 2012. It's uh, yeah, it was, it was one, and I would admit, I was, I was guessing what was actually causing this myself. Like I was at first, much like um, Pikachu, point makes a line in this movie. He's like, it's okay. Psyduck's Psyduck's attacks can sometimes cause delusions. None of this is real. A tree falls over. Mm-hmm. No, all of this is real. Run. Well, that's 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 actually very the very nice clever thing about the scene is that I was on that train of thought as well. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that they had set up previously um, I can't, I don't know the name of the Pokemon. Torterra. Torterra. Okay, this is actually a really nice thing that the movie does. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is one of I think the most successful things. Mm-hmm. That it recognized that it is for a joint audience. Mm-hmm. It's for kids, adults, mm-hmm. grown-ups uh, like us, who grew up with Pokemon mm-hmm. and would know. You know, we could easily like, you know, as a as a party trick, like rat rattle off the first 151 Pokemon, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe not the later generations. But maybe not the later generations. And it does a really, really good job of like putting the core 150 Pokemon. Uh, 151 Pokemon, sorry, um, right in the center of the action. Mm-hmm. Like all the main characters, for the most part, that are Pokemon, 
mm-hmm. are those uh, Generation 1 types. Yeah, Pikachu, Psyduck, Mewtwo, Charizard. But then it doesn't pretend that the other ones didn't happen, mm-hmm. and it makes full use out of the rest. Uh, and later generations, which uh, I'm not as familiar with. I'm not as familiar with Greninja. Mm-hmm. Um, and the likes of that kind of thing, and the Torterra as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's a really... I really like that aspect of the film, actually. Yeah, so we, as this action sequence pans out and they're running away, they're just trying to survive this, like, folding mountain, we get the revelation that these mountains are, in fact, the uh, Torterra experiments that they had seen early in the lab. It's just that these were the ones that were just super normally, you know, gigantic. Like, they literally are the mountains themselves (laughs) on their backs. It's wild. It's insane. And it's not just one of them. It's like a whole bloody row of them. It's just like one after the other after the other, like going off to the horizon. Like, dude, how many Pokemon did you experiment on? Like, how can you keep this a secret? Yeah, well, I get the the hubris is not keeping it a secret. Yeah. um, (laughs) So in that whole chase sequence, uh, Pikachu gets injured, like pretty badly hurt. Um, And it's really sad. It is. It is very sad. I was upset by this. It was, I know, I remember when I was in the theater, I heard a couple kids sniffling um, during the, (laughs) during this, because I think, yeah, we were sitting right next to a family of, like, three boys and one, and one girl with their, uh, with their father watching this Mm -hmm. movie, Um, and, yeah, I think that I could hear a couple of them, like, they were, they were getting a little emotional, but what made me quickly go from, oh, this is sad to, oh, my God, adorable, is when the Bulbasaur show up. Okay, yeah. Those um, things are adorable, like even more so than they already were. They're completely adorable, and there's another. There's a really nice, like the the really cool thing about Pokemon is that they can be anything. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They can be animals when you need them to be. They can be like threatening animals when you need them to be, and mm-hmm. they can also be like Bulbasaur. They move in herds, mm-hmm. and they're like friendly, like herbivore. Like, um, I don't know what animal they could even be likened to. That's an animal, like, um... Some kind of, like, li- yeah, because, I mean, they're, co- they're called, like, the bulb Pokemon, I think, is what their, their official designation is, because they're more... They're, the idea is that they're more plant than animal, I guess, yeah, but even, yeah. though, even though they are definitely animals. They're definitely, like... like uh, some like, kind of reptile. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, uh... They come along, and it's a moment where Tim is like reaching out to them, and he's he is like a let it go kind of moment, right? Where he's like, "Look, I'm caught between a rock and a hard place. I don't know what to do. My friend's gonna die." Mm-hmm. And he he listens to uh, you know the advice that he had earlier. Yeah, the fact that Pokemon, may, they may not understand, but they can understand emotions and feelings of people. Like, they, they, there is a way that they innately understand humans. Mm-hmm. And what follows is, like, the most beautiful little sequence where the Bulbasaur, like, it's, and it's almost like a semi-sort of spiritual sort of moment where they mm-hmm. lead them through these very uh, beautiful landscapes. I think it was filmed in Glasgow, this, this section. Okay, cool. Um, it was... It's a place called the Devil's Pulpit, mm. uh, and it's like a very sort of like um, uh, 
I don't know, like just a very sort of like fairy tale sort of setting. The sort mm-hmm. of place that you would see like Will of the Wisps or something in Yeah. In um in folk tales. But this time it's Bulbasaur who are leading them to uh like a sort of uh, like a like a like a shrine almost, like a little little plinth. Yeah, and I know there are actually there are other Pokemon in the scene too. I unfortunately don't remember their names, but they are actually, and you're gonna chuckle at this, they are fairy type Pokemon because that was a type that was introduced in X and Y is the fact that there are these like little like Pokemon that are considered like these little sprites. And that's those are the little mushroom guys that you see flying around. Uh they they're called like Morlulls, I think. Mor yeah, okay, that was the that was their name. Um, yeah, I didn't really recognize them because, again, they're not my generation. Mm-hmm. But again, there's, again, the Bulbasaur take the front and center, and then those are introduced along the way to add ambiance to the scene. Yeah, and it's it's beautifully done, and they take them. Yeah, to, like and, you said, to like a shrine. Uh, at this point, like Pikachu's like all matted and like battle worn. It's mm-hmm. so like sad but it's also beautiful like his fur is like matted like when you've been out with your dog for a day i know like i was just like been like running through like streams and you're like oh god i gotta give you the longest bath ever (laughs) yeah Yeah, i really love that attention to detail and i thought that was so like that made me feel for him even more Mm -hmm. and Um, then surprise surprise mewtwo shows up uh at the yeah. shrine. And again, this is where I began to be very confused because I was like, oh shit, guys. <laughs> bad. Like Mewtwo is here. He is and then he started like being all benevolent and I was like, what's going on? I don't get this. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't paying attention, I think. Yeah, no, it's okay. Um yeah, because, and I mean, I remember when the scene was playing out, it's like, oh, he's being taken to a healer Pokemon. It's like, oh, I knew they're taking him to Mewtwo because there's very few other Pokemon that have the move recover. And I remember Mewtwo explicitly coming with that move. Okay, uh, well, I expected another Pokemon. <laughs> I expected Mew. Ah, oh, you expected Mew. Yeah, because they did reference Mew in this movie. They, we didn't ever saw it, but it was, it was definitely referenced. Yeah, it felt like the sort of place that Mew would live to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. If Mew was going to live anywhere, it was here. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so yeah, he's healed and he sort of, he, does he get his, am- no, he doesn't lose his, am- he, well, he does and he doesn't because this Mewtwo, surprisingly hard movie to find. yeah, because it is a detective thing and we're only given bits of pieces of information at a time. So Tim is obviously very confused, and so is Pikachu, because all of a sudden, this was the Pokemon that, the Pokemon they were looking for is right here. And because Mewtwo uh, has clearly shown earlier has psychic abilities to, you know, mess with memories and stuff, um, Mm -hmm. we get a very nice, again, a nice shot of getting those flashback sequences from the perspective of Mewtwo showing the instance of his escape, which Mm -hmm. is revealed that Pikachu was involved in. Um, And then I think they somewhat hint at the fact that maybe Pikachu was basically the one who basically set Harry up to be caught, captured by Mewtwo, but it's not really, they're not allowed to see the whole memory because it's at that exact moment that um, basically, uh, hold on, I got to get the character's name again. Roger Clifford shows up again um, and captures Mewtwo and takes him away. Yeah. And this is when like, it's sort of like clear from now, like, oh, he's the baddie. 
Mm -hmm. And so Pikachu begins feeling really guilty of the fact that, oh, I betrayed my partner. You shouldn't trust me. I got to go my own way. It's, it's kind of like the typical third act, kind of like the pair that have built this French, this uneasy friendship from the start are now having the moment where, oh, you know, something's wrong or we're not like, this is never going to work. And they go their separate ways for, a te- you know, temporarily. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I've I, seen that the- happen a lot in movies, but I believed it here. Actually, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, again, it's still kind of a pull. Like, I, I feel like maybe they were checking a bit of a box, but it's like I was willing to roll along with it. I have seen movies where it's done a lot worse and a lot less convincingly. Exactly. <laughs> so have I. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, I was, I was fine with that. Um, but basically, we, you know, with the fact that they know that this guy is the bad guy, they're like, okay. Pikachu goes his own way because he doesn't want to, you know, doesn't want Tim to trust him because obviously he doesn't feel like he can be trusted and pushes him away. Um, they decide, you know, Lucy and Tim decide to go back to the city to warn everybody because there's a whole big event that's going to be rolling down and he wants to get up to, you know, t- tell uh, Howard what's up. Um, and it's around that time we get the revelation that, um, especially when Tim gets up there and then we have a little, another snippet with Pikachu having some of his memories returning that it wasn't in fact Mewtwo who caused the crash. It was the Greninja from the lab and Mewtwo was trying to protect them. And the only person who had that knowledge, I'm sorry. He was doing a Snape. He was doing a Snape. Yep. Um, That's a great comparison actually. Um, But the (laughs) real bad guy the real bad guy who is planning yeah. the whole thing, the experimentations, was in fact Bill Nighy, Howard Clifford, who uses oh, this no. device to oh, no. basically link with Mewtwo and then basically you have Bill Nighy living in Mewtwo's body and that was really strange but really kind of fun. It got all eugenics and <laughs> I was like wow, they're doing this? In, yeah! In, in a book, they're doing like, they're talking about the um, the ickiness of striving for evolution in a Pokemon film? Like that's really... Like you know, um, you know, uh, what's the word? Like ex- exposing their, fl- you know, their um, their vulnerabilities. Kind of, you know, like that's that's the most damning thing you could say about the whole concept. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, it's a bit icky that you're actually saying I'm going to turn you into a physically better specimen. Basically, you know, cast away your mortal your mortal shell and become these all powerful like things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and especially like well, and definitely in his in Bill Nighy's character's case, Howard Clifford, the fact that he he felt that he deserved the body of the most powerful Pokemon in that particular generation. So it's like that's you asshole. Okay, and another you don't have a messiah that. complex at all. And another wild comparison I made uh, shortly after watching it to my friends was like, this is a lot like the ending of um, the Edgar Wright movie, uh, The World's <laughs> End. Uh huh. Where Bill Knight, in a booming voice, is pleading to the main character that having a new superior body is the <laughs> way forward. I thought that was a weird little coincidence. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. But it's just, yeah, it was. It was quite mm-hmm. interesting. It was. It was a. I, I kind of saw it coming in a small way, but even though when it did make its revelation, I still had a good time with it. It, it was. Yeah, it was kind of a bit icky like or kind of creepy the fact that the whole culmination was the fact Mm -hmm. that basically he was his plan was to make pokemon go crazy so then he could use mewtwo's abilities to basically merge 
people with their partner Pokemon, and you do see this happen. Like this, he does, into a mild degree, succeed, and you this get to is see where I like began to lose it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I began to seriously lose it here because one, I was just not prepared on that Friday night to be in the cinema watching Mewtwo with Bill Nye's voice be evil. Like I was, that was <laughs> enough. That was enough to sort of just distract me for two minutes uh-huh. whilst I drank that in. Uh-huh. Then the thing started happening where, yeah, like you're saying, the Pokemon were becoming fused with the humans, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I know this sounds like a weird thing to say. Okay. But I feel like it's semi-valid. The film is asking you to consider physics in a uh-huh. certain way. Uh-huh. And I didn't buy the physics of where is all that mass going? Like, how is it? How is that person disappearing? True. And for some reason, that was just like a little blip, like a little hiccup that I had watching the scenes. Uh huh. Which is like really fussy stuff, but I just mm-hmm. didn't quite. It does ask you to make, if, yeah. if, if, especially if they were trying to sell this to be as real as possible, I can understand why that would be a problem. Yeah, I was like, but oh, magic s- now. At the same time, that's still kind of like, I mean, it's still the world of Pokemon. And like, if something was done like that in the Pokemon anime, you wouldn't bat an eye. Uh, Oh, 100%. Mm -hmm. So I think that was basically what they were. I mean, to a degree, I can kind of forgive the film because if you're really taking the, if you're fully on inspired by the media that has come out before it and you're using, uh, you're kind of not leaning on it as a crutch, but taking inspiration Mm -hmm. to try and help create the story that you have mm-hmm. like I can I can I can forgive them in that degree of like okay this would be a fun idea to try out because it you know this sounds similar like to what could be done in the show like a big twist in the show would be and it's the whole idea of Pokemon people and Pokemon being like or people turned into Pokemon is actually again not something that has been not done before it has I been definitely done before. didn't expect it no you <laughs> didn't yeah no, and they, they, that was an effective twist. Um, um, but but this, stuff is, this stuff is really uh, great. I, I like this stuff a lot. I feel like it's not really been... I haven't really seen anyone mention this, but I think that a large part of the movie's um, success actually has to do with the, uh, with the director, mm-hmm. um, who is da, 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 what's his name rob letterman rob letterman rob letterman uh like began as uh an animator essentially he did. Like working in um animation uh he his first uh directorial debut his director whose directorial debut was sharp tail uh-huh uh i remember that movie which he, on which he was a co-director, and he was co-director on Monsters vs. Aliens. Mm-hmm. And then he was uh, he directed his first live-action film was Gulliver's Travels, the Jack Black film. And then another Jack Black film later on, which would be Goosebumps, which was, Goosebumps. I believe, 2015? Well, yeah, which did unbelievably well. Mm-hmm. And is actually a pretty decent movie. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't had the opportunity to, but I, I am interested it's in fun. actually it, watching it. It makes a lot of sense that like people would watch this and go, oh, he's the Pikachu guy. Mm-hmm. The one who makes these uh, unbelievable creatures work in, not in the real world, but in a world with humans, basically. 
and even stuff like I remember watching Monsters versus Aliens, and it's not a great, like, it's not a standout film, but I remember enjoying it well enough. Yeah, yeah, but but I think one of um, it reminds me a little bit of uh, what happened with Gareth Edwards, mm-hmm. who's director of um, Monsters uh, 2014 Godzilla, which yes. is way better than anyone's giving gives it due more often than not. And I'm not ready in like the next month when uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters comes out and everyone Oh god, yeah. And everyone talks about how good it is despite hating the first like I love that first Godzilla movie. No, it was fantastic. Yeah. I don't understand what the hate is. if there's a hate around it, why is there hate? <laughs> I, I'm with you there, Rach. Anyway, I think that one of the things that um Letterman brings to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, is an understanding of how CGI works mm-hmm. and a technical understanding of um, CGI strengths in a way that live action, like in the way that a director who uh, only ever worked in live action would approach mm-hmm. using CGI. Gotcha. And I think that, I mean, throughout the whole film, it's really successful, but especially in the finale, it's kind of, it just gets it and it, <laughs> and it's juggling a heck of a lot of stuff. Yeah. People being turned into Pokemon. Basically we have a whole <laughs> semi-aerial battle between this possessed Mewtwo and Pikachu who we reappears. gone into Ditto. Oh my god! Now that was a twist that I didn't expect. Like that was the real, that was another big left field twist that I didn't see coming, because we do discover that uh, Roger Clifford is at the real one is locked in a closet, and someone has been impersonating him this entire time. Most of the time, we've seen him on screen aside from his first initial appearance, and that has been <laughs> yeah. the, this Ditto because he takes off the sunglasses, and boom, we see the beady eyes of the Ditto because they which can't is a real. A real damn, like, uh, oh god, what movie? Scooby, the first Scooby Doo movie does that. The live really? Scooby Doo movie has the same um, reveal at the end where the bad guy, played by Rowan Atkinson, uh-huh. turns out to have been locked in the dungeon for all the movie. Oh wow! And it's actually, Scrappy Doo. Oh, okay. Now I remember. I remember that twist that you're talking about. Yeah, it was the character that everyone hated. In, in the, uh, in yeah, it was, like, it was like a robot that was controlled by Scrappy Doo. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, it just reminded me. Reminded me of that slightly. It's it much does. better than, than that. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so like, there's a lot of fun with Ditto, basically. Uh, yeah, Ditto was up. That Ditto was straight up. Scary. Like I don't think I, I never imagined ever being terrified of Ditto, but and after really, this movie, like, I'm actually scared. I love that it really leaned into how freaky doppelgangers as a concept are, mm-hmm. and it didn't like tone it down too much. And it was actually scary, and they weren't they weren't worried about like the optics, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Of um, they weren't worried about the optics. Basically. Yeah. Of, yeah, gotcha. Uh, of Ditto turning into other things and wanting to kill the main character still. <laughs> uh, no, that was that was good fun. And then, um, yeah, like basically, eventually, uh, you know, Bill Nye stupidly 
left the uh, the controlling sort of crown headset thing on, on his it, yeah on his body and forgot that and didn't basically forgot that uh, yeah. maybe there's a possibility that his ditto wouldn't win um, and wouldn't kill everybody. Hubris. So, yes, hubris. Brilliant. Um, the, the failing, you know, um, and mm-hmm. he gets, the thing gets taken off, Mewtwo set free, um, they basically, he, he gets arrested, and things are starting to wrap up, um, and Mewtwo heals everybody, or basically gets them all separated from their Pokemon, um, and things are looking up, and then we get the biggest revelation of the entire movie, that in reality, um, Tim's dad was actually in the similar way that everyone else was just kind of possessing their Pokemon. He was, Tim's dad, Harry was possessing his Pikachu. And And he had amnesia. So he didn't realize that he wasn't a Pikachu. Yes. Which also ties back to the fact that he for a while couldn't really use his powers either because a human wouldn't know how to do that. (laughs) Okay. This is the part of the movie where I just like. You kind of rolled your eyes a bit. I roll my eyes a lot. (laughs) (laughs) and i'll tell you okay so how do you what was your reaction to this i kind of rolled my eyes a little bit but at the end of the day i'm okay it was an okay twist it was it was all right to kind of Uh at least if you're coming back to the whole thing about having that character connection between have if that having the whole heart and soul of the film being tim's relationship with his dad but that's still again it is still stretching it yeah i worry that um what happened was that this was baked in to the concept Mm -hmm. from the start yeah and it got to the point where i feel like it's almost um if it was a more organic development process with the film Mm mm-hmm they would have gotten to this point at the end and realized, oh, we don't need to actually do this part because we've already essentially earned everything we're going to from this idea. Mm-hmm. It felt like putting a hat on a hat a little mm-hmm. bit for me. It's like, you know, the, the, the um, movies where a creature is a stand-in for parents Mm-hmm. are a very particular careful uh, yeah this is something you have to be careful about going on there and I think um, movies that do it well like uh, Totoro or E.T. Mm-hmm. understand that it's metaphor Yeah, and I felt like it not being metaphor was a little bit of a shame okay gotcha I, I, I <laughs> I was I was a little bit like I, I was way against it mm-hmm. when uh, <laughs> I was way 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 against it mm-hmm. when, um, when we came out of the of the film and I was like saying to my friends it's like if Pikachu it, it was it's it's like if bloody um, Elliot at the end of ET if ET like unzipped and his dad climbed out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know that like relationship that you never had with me? Like it was me all along. It was me all along. Yeah, and I gotcha. It felt like it was almost like it should have been like the scene in fucking um uh Mrs. Doubtfire. 
when ah. he takes the thing off and he's like, hey, look, it's your dad. And everyone's like, no, 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 no. This is the, and you know, all the characters react like, hey, uh-huh. you do. They have time to hit, they have time to, to have this sink in. Yeah, because it comes like not at the end of the movie, Mrs. Doubtfire comes like, you know, two thirds mm-hmm. of the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just felt like, oh, you kind of earned the right not to have to do that. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, to, and I also selfishly didn't want to see Pikachu leave. <laughs> wanted. I mean, to be fair, I didn't to be go fair, to though, the movie to see Ryan Reynolds. I went to the movie to see Pikachu. And to be fair, um, because I was really happy when they when they did have the they, we have that last couple scene where we do have Ryan Reynolds himself revealed to be the actor for um, Harry Goodman, um, mm-hmm. and we do see Pikachu again as just a regular Pikachu. I mean, we do hear get to hear more of um, I'm not sure I'm, I'm probably butchering her her name Ikuotani continue yeah, to play Pikachu. Yeah, it's like it's like unmistakable. Like it's it was you just knew. Oh yeah, that's absolutely classic Pikachu. Yeah, so it's like I mean I was kind of happy to have more with with her doing P- the Pikachu voice because it's always adorable. Yeah. Even though, yes, for mm-hmm. most of the movie it was smart to have an actual you know, not having an entire movie mm-hmm. based on saying just nothing but you know Pika Pika. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It would have um, gotten old really really quickly. Yes, but still, it was it was. Yeah, I found myself being okay with it. I'm not sure why. I I, I guess I'm still kind of trying to figure out why I'm okay with it. And like, like you said, because it is kind of like, it would have been nice if like, you know, the film kind of deserved the right to just not do that. But yeah. at I, the same I, time, like, I'm okay with it for some reason. I don't know why. Right. right. I think it's because, yeah, I feel like it's, it's, it's never good to literalize that stuff. Mm-hmm. Or, or more so, it's more important to, for me, for a movie to recognize when it's, when it's earned something, mm-hmm. I think like one of my my recent recent ish example mm-hmm. of this is um, Finding Dory. Ah, which I'm going to spoil very quickly. <laughs> don't turn off for the next thirty seconds if you don't want to have any Finding Dory spoilers. Okay, gotcha. Um, basically, towards the end of the film, uh, Dory believes that her parents are dead. Right, yes, that whole sequence. Right, and she goes through, it's a very traumatic, brilliantly played scene where she believes it. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the movie had kind of earned the, the, the story had been enough about her moving apart from her parents. Enough mm-hmm. that on a very brutal story level, they didn't need to survive and it could have been one of those like brilliant powerful stories that Pixar mm-hmm. could have told about it being okay to lose someone yeah and that she's found this new connection with Marlon right. and Nemo I, yeah. exactly yeah and I, 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 I feel kind of like this similarly about Detective Pikachu where it's just like yeah you kind of the relationship that you have with Pikachu in the film Mm-hmm. is stronger than i guess the other example i always think of is pinocchio mm-hmm. like, pinocchio is the thing that i'm attached to in that film mm-hmm. the wooden boy mm-hmm. the like the appealing weird sort of puppet come to life thing and when he turns into a real boy it's kind of 
like boring and a little bit freaky. Like, and same thing with the beast too in Beauty and the Beast. Like yeah. we, we come to love the beast. So when he turns back into a regular person, we're it's not. A regular boring like 90s hunk. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is, yeah. Like this yeah. is, we haven't seen this a bajillion times before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I guess it was kind of that. Okay. Of I gotcha. You know? Yeah. A hundred percent. And. Um, but yeah. So what would you say? By and large, mm-hmm. is there anything you want to say to sum this whole thing up? I think, at its core, it's kind of like I mean, obviously, we've the, there's been a bajillion Pokemon uh, focused films. I mean, only three that ever got uh, big screen releases. This is um, the fourth movie, mm-hmm. uh, the fourth Pokemon movie to be released by Warner Brothers. It in, is in the US. It yeah. was Pokemon 1, 2, 3. And I think like lots of people, 3 was when, that was the last one I saw in the cinema. Yeah, it was, a, and to be fair, if for the last one that we saw in cinema, that was probably one of the better ones focusing at, with Ash Ketchum as the protagonist. That was a really good story. I Absolutely. Like, because mm-hmm. while a lot of people love the very first Pokemon movie, and rightly yeah. so, because it had a lot of that wow factor, it, um, the, the wow factor was there definitely but i story knew, had problems like the th- in the third movie i was crying and i'm like i have never cried in a boy film. i know right yeah. like that was that was extremely heartfelt like that's the kind of like if we're gonna have more pokemon stories after this that, that really kind of delve into different world like different characters in the, that live in this world and their problems mm-hmm. like that's kind of like stuff i want to see well this is again like the really cool thing in terms of like it being a careful movie which is actually very successful because it could have been they could have so easily have gone straight for the legendaries mm-hmm. they could have done all of the obvious things that like as a 10 year old imagining what a pokemon movie is you would do you'd be like, oh yeah definitely oh there has to be like oh and there are like a million hoos mm-hmm. oh, yeah they all fight and i was i was big and it's like they know they they told, fan fiction basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like they told a very careful, good little story, and it feels like it. I I don't know about you, but I I just say what I said again at the start, where I feel like okay, this is in a way like a proof of concept, and they're like, we got this. Mm-hmm. And then from here, like you, they can do anything. Yeah, and it feels like they're gonna do something with Psyduck because he's like the runaway favorite he is which i go ahead finish your thought no no aside from pikachu but i can't imagine no getting away from pikachu because like i said he is mickey mouse he is nintendo's spongebob mickey mouse whatever you know it's it's their big recognizable icon that sells a movie and it's also it has that like cutie factor that you know made Paddington so popular because it's just you know the world is crazy and the scary, mm-hmm. a terrifying, depressing place lately, and people like going to the cinema to kind of escape and just mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that's very good, and that's yeah, definitely this... where I saw this movie. Yeah, this film is really it, for that exact reason as you described. Like, this is a perfect movie to come out mm. at this particular time because a lot of people are kind of just getting a little fed up with what's going on, and it, 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 that's kind of again, Pokemon has been really good at that, offering a nice escape from 
mm -hmm. uh, real world pressures. And I mean, as long as it's, it, you know, you have people like to draw that line. It's like, oh, but you should never get too out of the touch with what's really going on in the real world. But it's just, mm -hmm. but you do need it every now and again. And that for, at least for me and a lot of other people, Pokemon has been just the thing to kind of like turn off your brain for a couple, you know, a couple of solid hours as you basically have this, like you said, like we talked in the beginning, a very personal adventure in this strange world with these strange creatures. Um, you make bonds with people, your characters and characters that you imagine for yourself, like your Pokemon, like you, you, when you make your Pokemon team and you look at their different statistics and their, their specialties, right. their, their weaknesses, and mm -hmm. you kind of make up in your own head your the story about how they behave, how they, you know, what you would do when you're not battling or you're you're going to different regions and that kind of stuff. Like that's, it's like like taking a mini vacation for yourself, in a yeah. way, and um, and that's yeah, that's again that's what this movie does, and that's why I think a lot of people are you know even people who are like already fans of the franchise or maybe only you know like casual fans really dig this movie because it does it right it it gets the pokemon designs so incredibly well done like everything from the the trico the sleepy trico in the apartment complex just sleeping all it's sticking to the glass um the the jigglypuff that's singing to the sleeping guy over in the corner of the cafe and the nice thing as well is that they recognize that um that is also part of it. Mm -hmm. Like part of it is the visuals, and it's not. We've done really well not talking about Sonic. I know, it's amazingly so, because I am so as a cool. Sonic fan. I am like I saw that trailer and I yeah. was horrified. I feel like we're kind of breaking a streak then, but I have to mention it here because it's that's like, fine. Go because ahead. Because like one thing that that movie fundamentally misunderstood is how iconic Sonic is. Mm -hmm. And, and what his design is, means. And, yeah, and in that, in a lot of other circumstances, it probably would have felt very shallow to have to have perfectly replicated very cartoony design. Mm-hmm. And what the Pokemon uh, Detective Pikachu like designers have, and directors and everyone else involved have like really appreciated, mm -hmm. is that like the the basic shape and like you know silhouette of the Pokemon are really important to them being recognizably those things. Yeah, I mean that's why they had it like in the old the old cartoon like or the the anime. They had the whole thing, like, who's that Pokemon? Exactly. And they Absolutely. would, you would have to guess who this, which Pokemon they were by the silhouette. And there were some, because if, I mean, obviously you wouldn't be able to get all of them, but, you know, yeah, unless yeah. You, Absolutely. you, you absolutely could if you put in the time and effort. Mm -hmm. Because that, their, mm -hmm. their silhouettes were that iconic. You like, I mean, that's. Actually, if you're talking about silhouettes, like, last Christmas, when they first released the poster for Sonic, mm -hmm. it was and you could tell from the silhouette that they got it like okay horribly wrong that they got it very wrong and i think it uh -huh. <laughs> another thing i think they got wrong about it uh-huh is 
I, I want to say it's a, it's very tempting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think in this case it might be true. It's a, a misunderstanding. Um, of, or, or rather, a dismissal of something that is weird is a weird foreign thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, they've looked at it and they're like, oh, obviously we can't do that. That looks so like foreign and oh, it's like a maybe that would be okay in Japan, but not in America where things are cool. Uh huh, yeah. You know, and it has a tinge of that around it. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing about Detective Pikachu is they just trust the audience and they're like, you've known Pikachu for like nearly like 25 years now. Like, it's you're not you're okay with how he looks. You don't need that to change. No, yeah. And that's, again, kind of similar with Sonic. Sonic's been around for 20 mm-hmm. plus years, too. Like, And his games continue to sell, even to the point where they would trust like a completely, like, you know, foreign development team to make yeah. a Sonic video game, a classic Sonic video game, and still have it, have it sell better than any any like of the modern games that they've released for that that franchise and there's a reason for that because those games are like those classic games are so iconic and that design that the design is so mm-hmm. iconic and i i dare you if you haven't seen them yet i highly recommend that you check out the um the shorts uh that came out in regards to sonic mania um sonic mania adventures um, oh the t- tyson oh but, yeah the tyson has the tyson has shorts yeah, those are fantastic. And oh my also, god! If you haven't seen Sonic Boom, I have. I have I actually. Have. Yeah, like anyone out there who hasn't, like, it's a really. It, it sounds really weird again, like, but we've been like sharing these videos with each other at work, and we've just like been cracking up how funny <laughs> this cartoon is because, not not I don't really I'm not a massive Sonic fan by any stretch. Yeah. It's definitely the first video game I ever played, and I have immense nostalgia for, like, actually the cartoony design. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, Sonic, Sonic Boom, and and it's so funny, and it's just really well written. And it's yeah, it's it's pretty fun. Like, I, I there were some episodes that I were a bit misses for me, but. On the whole, like I was really genuinely surprised of how it's 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 zaniness actually really appealed to me. The one where like, <laughs> yeah, where they have like the Sonic super fan who wants to like. Oh god! Yeah! Oh my god! Yes! He ma- he because that was a reference. He makes That's Sonic a- dress up as Tails. And he's like strapped to a bed, isn't he? Isn't that like a film yeah. reference of some kind? Yeah. I forget. Like, what film is that called? Ah. Um, King of Comedy. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a yeah, but, but yeah, no, the Tyson Hattie, like, I I think he was the director of those shorts, the Sonic Mania. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, yeah, they they're great. <laughs> like know. that's, I would watch like even though Sonic Boom is was hilarious, like I would continue to watch a show like, almost kind of like like the Mickey Mouse cartoons like with Sonic characters. I think that would be really funny. Oh shit, that's a really good um Yeah, that's a really good point. I had never that never occurred to me. Yeah. Well anyway. I mean because it takes advantage of si- like good silent like cartoon comedy because I mean there's not a line uttered in those Tyson Hess shorts, but they're still hilarious. Yeah, and the best Mickey Mouse ones are 
are the ones I think which are the least dialogue driven ones. Exactly. So like these yeah. two these two sources like wonderful bits of animation short animated shorts have captured like some of the like the best silent comedy and cartoons that they haven't had since like the early like like uh not I wouldn't say Looney Tunes but like like other like early like you know Mickey Mouse shorts and like early animation where they just ex they didn't have explicit dialogue like the early like I guess like, like the early early Mickey Mouse cartoons like the the kind mm -hmm. of stuff that you'd see in like Get a Horse. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and and that's and and again, like I think that's where the the Roger Rabbit comparison is kind of valid, and not and I don't mean that in like a damning dismissive way either. Mm -hmm. It's like it, it's it's okay. We're fine with the fact that this isn't actually a, a, a um, an animal that you've in any way deceived me into thinking is real. Mm -hmm. It's never going to be real, but you know, so long in some other parallel universe, maybe it is. So run with that. Exactly. Anyway, so in, con in conclusion, Pikachu is lovely. And I like to text Pikachu. He's a cheeky little boy. <laughs> and, uh, he's, a, he's fine by me. And I would like uh, very much for Tim's father to somehow die or we'll, we'll come to blows somehow with a warlock or Baba Yaga or something and, and just end and, up inhabit the Pikachu again yeah end up go back inside <laughs> or at least find another creative way to have that kind of scenario happen again because aside from you two there are a bunch of other legendary Pokemon especially psychic legendaries who can you know basically without when uh without you know better terms, fuck up with the status quo of what we consider natural, you know, status quo. Yeah. So... I, I really... I, I think one of my favorite concepts in the whole Pokemon uh, universe is... Yes? Bug catchers. The bug I catchers? Want, I want to see, like, a movie that is somehow, like, set in the woods and you have lots of, like, the woodland forest sort of Pokemon. I think that would be really interesting. Well, Arena. going off of that, there's actually, um, and there have been games that have experimented with this as well, but this is, I remember being a very iconic concept in um, the manga that was based off Pokemon, the red and blue, the red and blue manga. Oh my um, god. The, the, those, are, those are like, I, I cannot overstate how foundational they are for me. <laughs> They're fantastic. As, like, as um, glimpses into like <laughs> I'm getting like choked up and but no like as glimpses into um how cartoons and comics can do anything yeah I think that was like my first like inkling as a kid that oh like because I, I had one that was like set in a haunted tower and it was like Gary Mm -hmm. um, or I guess blue, sorry, versus red, and mm -hmm. it was like um, really spooky. Yeah, and I, I loved it. Yeah, I think that might very well be the that the comic that I'm referencing. And I just copied them like over and over and over and over again. Like, and for like three years, my characters just looked way too much like those characters. <laughs> 
I mean, the art for those comics is fantastic, so I don't blame you at all. But um, I recall that in the, they introduced mm-hmm. it in this comic, um, and they've gone on in a couple of other different instances to highlight characters who have this specific ability. But there are basically, kind of like in an almost Dr. Doolittle sort of way, there are people who just inherently understand Pokemon. Like, the Pokemon don't have to have any right. specific language barrier. You know, like they, they just are Pokemon being Pokemon, mm-hmm. but there are just people who just understand them. Um, yeah. And um, I know that there was a character, uh, Yellow, who is basically this, uh, this girl who, who is basically the protagonist of the Yellow uh, Pokemon uh, video game. Uh, she is a, she just was, she was born in the forest, or at least she was born living in the, by this uh, particular forest, I think it was Viridian Forest, and she has the ability to understand Pokemon without them having to, you know, having to learn, like, as, as they, as, as the anime is illustrated, without the Pokemon themselves actually having to learn English, um, like, uh, Meowth in the anime, um, she just understand. She just understands them implicitly, and there are other characters like her in that manga who have this ability. And even in the game, like unfortunately, you miss this character because you didn't play Black and White. But the primary rival or the antagonist character, who's just called N, he um, is very similar. He was um, basically a character who was born with this ability to understand Pokemon, and part of the whole organization that he becomes a part of, the villain organization of that game uh, series, are kind of like, again, going off the fact that like, oh, holding Pokemon in Pokeballs is wrong. You should release the Pokemon, etc. And it was, came off as like this Knights Templars kind of thing, mm-hmm. based around the fact that N was basically raised to believe that Pokemon and people just shouldn't be together. Or they shouldn't like try to like interact at all because he'd been all the Pokemon he had known growing up were Pokemon who had been abused, etc. And but that was just something that set him apart was the fact that he could just he could just understand them. So that would be interesting if they if we are going to continue on like having movies based in this uh, world, have maybe yeah. characters who have that ability, or maybe Tim discovers that with this whole incident he has this ability now. And maybe he could find another person who also inherently was born with this ability. Mm, yeah, that feels like definitely the theme that they tapped into and di- yeah, dipped their toe in the water with. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna. There's, there's, there's a lot of. <laughs> there are many more stories to tell in this world. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay we've pretty much. <laughs> We've yeah, we've we've gone maybe a couple like uh, over an hour, almost two plus hours on this. Yeah, yeah, it's official. This is actually probably one of the first really good video game adaptation films Hollywood's ever made. So, mm-hmm. my hat off to Rob Letterman and everyone involved in this team uh, who made this film, and especially the effects artists for sure. You guys did an amazing job. You know. Take a bow, take several hundred bows because you deserve it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, there we might actually see a franchise. I like I have a good you know since there's a, a sequel already greenlit. There there might uh, there's a good chance we're going to see more films set in this world. So uh, hold on to your pokeballs, people, because this is going about to get wild. Yikes! <laughs> this shit's okay. about to get real. Let's let's uh. Let's let's see what happens from here on out. But uh, yeah, everyone who's stayed stayed with us this long, who were curious to like look into this film, thank you so much for 
sticking around. And um, if you want to listen to more podcast episodes, um, obviously, if you've found our podcast on any of your already awesome podcasting uh, areas, obviously continue finding us on those, but definitely check out our website if you haven't already, um, animationforadults.com. We have a lots of really cool reviews, animation discussion, and animation news coming down about new stuff uh, that's just breaking in terms of new shows in development, etc. Definitely give that a listen to, and also the AFA Gaming Podcast, where we go into a bit more in-depth with some different video games and franchise and discussions. Chris and I have done a great deal on that already, talking, I think our last one was talking about uh, Naughty Dog, which was a lot of fun, so definitely give that episode a listen. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, we are on multiple different platforms. We are on Twitter at AFA Blog. We are on Facebook. We are also on uh, Pinterest, uh, I believe Tumblr, and Instagram as well. Um, that is all curated by the lovely Denery, who you might have listened. If you check out some of our other podcasts from earlier this year, you might hear her. Um, I believe she was in our uh, Rise of the TMNT review, uh, podcast, which is also a fantastic one. So definitely check that out as well if you're a fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, um, and if you want to support us, please, we uh, have a Patreon page. We have a link in the uh, in this uh, article post to go check that out and please support future episodes of the podcast. That way we can cover new stuff, speak with people, because we've had some awesome interviews in the previous episodes with some cool people from the animation community, Mark Osborne, Ed Hooks, you know, all these great guys. Um, so please support us in future episodes in, of the podcast and the website as a whole. Um, and as always, I want to make a shout out to, uh, Animation Nights New York, which is one of the big, uh, supporter and partner of ours who, um, has these awesome animation screenings in New York City. We'll leave a link in the show notes so you can check that out. So if you're in the New York area, go out there and check out some of these really neat, uh, animated shorts that, uh, come from all over the world, which are quite something to see. And they're not not all of them are like Pokemon and can be uh, generally consumed by a wider audience, but if you're a, someone in the animation who just really likes niche, like unconventional animation, this is a great place for you and it's a free event. So definitely check that out. Uh, but I do believe that's it for us. Um, Dan, where can we find you on social media? Um, you can find my uh, Pokemon fan site at geocities.com forward slash Bulbasaur <laughs> And you can find me on Twitter at Hanu. Awesome. If you want to follow me, I am on mainly on Twitter at uh, Fail2Ninja. But yeah, and then obviously I'm on Animation for Adults. I'll be writing articles. So if you want to check out any of my stuff, you're more than welcome to. Or, or you might find me running around on Pokemon Ultra Sun. Um, uh, yeah, I might be doing, I, I've been kind of building, a, after the, watching this movie, I've been kind of building a competitive team. So keep an eye out um, for my character, I think I, I, I've named it. Uh, I, quite don't, I forget what the internet handle is for my character, but I'll have to. I'll I'll send out a social media post at some point if like I'm looking for a competitive match because I've been trying to break back into that scene and hopefully, hopefully I can do that and not suck because I am very rusty. <laughs> but anyways, thanks again, everyone, for tuning in, and see you next time on the AFA podcast. Take care. Bye. Bye. Nurse Joy has put you on the mend I'm glad to see you well, my friend The battle was fought hard
But the gym leader held the cards It wasn't your fault, it was mine I've held you back for such a long, long time But now I know It's time I let you grow Pikachu, it's time to say goodbye To childlike expression in your shiny eyes And say hello to the power down below Goodbye to you I haven't really woken up oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. McDonald's. I'm loving it. When someone first comes in and you see that discouragement on their face, they've tried so many different products, but nothing seemed to work for them. I'm able to take that disappointment and that pain and turn it into hope. You're listening to Mallory, an art support specialist at the Goodfeet store. And they try the art supports. It's a light-up moment. You see their face brighten up. They go from feeling discouraged to being happy and hopeful again. For over 25 years, the Good Feet Store and our art support specialist have been helping folks live the life they love without foot, knee, hip, or back pain getting in the way. That's why this job is so important. They're helping people, getting back into the activities that they've wanted to do for a long time, doing the things that they love to do with their Good Feet Art Supports. We're able to help them and take them from the pain to the possibilities. And I love it. The Good Feet Store is located in Fairfax, Leesburg, Rockville, Baltimore and Hunt Valley, and in Annapolis in the Annapolis Harbor Center. For more information, go to goodfeet.com. <laughs> 